0: like, dude, I was going to propose, and Harry's like, listen, man, that's why I called you here, and they yes. got fired. And he's like, she did? Maybe I should talk to my girlfriend more, uh, and then he drops the real bomb, and he says, listen, man, I'm the other guy, and Peter's like, oh, my God, how could you have done that? I got to go. I got to go somewhere else, and Peter leaves as the waitress walks up and asks, Peter, or asks Harry, how is the pie And I think all of us need to say this together, if we can. Just for Kevin. On three. Ready? One, two, three. So So good. good. (laughs) (laughs) I lied. This is another good scene. This is another good scene. This is an
1: insane
2: scene. Like,
3: I'm the other man. What?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I love how much fun Franco has with it. I love the so good. Like, He's literally just loving being a villain here. The only thing that's weird about it is he does the wink and the smile, okay, which is just full-on, like, that's too much. Eva and Eva. then when the bus goes by, he's has <laughs> <gone?
0: Boston laughs> born. He just
2: disappears? <laughs> he just got a refill. What does everybody in this coffee shop think when this man
3: disappears? Oh, my God. Wait, the disappearing. What the hell? Who thought – how did that get approved? Like, why would he need believe, to disappear? No, none of it makes sense, but I can't believe that nobody saw this cut and was like, nah, this isn't working. Yeah, this yeah. is too much. <laughs> we crossed the line here.
2: Why? I'm, why would this happen? Why? Nobody sure in the room were, said, what is this craziness?
0: I'm sure there were multiple people who did, and Sam Ray was just like, I don't care. And they were like, cool, I'll just get a paycheck because it's not my reputation on the line um and then it's almost like they're like oh we should put a couple scenes in here beforehand and Sam Raimi's like no we need the resolution to this immediately so what happens is Peter heads grabs a Venom suit combs his hair down and just heads back over to Harry's house to beat his ass uh they fight and Peter eventually hits Harry with some truth he's like your dad despised
3: you because you're stupid <laughs> and he's like no he's not
0: I mean look at little
3: goblin
2: junior gonna cry I was like fuck, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then
0: Peter looks over and he spots that still life painting and he's like, wait, I mean,
2: did you do that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I also write plays. I'm actually very multifaceted as an artist. Uh, (laughs) This This fight fucking slaps, though. This fight's awesome. This Uh, fight fucking slaps. Of course it is. And he pulls out the electric sword out of nowhere. He's just got a goblin electric sword and shit. (laughs) and It's just a good fight.
3: The final, uh, the final shots fucked up, man. Oh yeah, it's fucked up.
0: Oh yeah. When he put, when he hurls the bomb back at him as he's walking out, awesome. Yeah, that's and great he put, action it right blows there. Blows off half his face. It's right. crazy. like
4: he throws it, the the dodge, the web, sling it right back, and it blows him up. Sick, awesome, Ooh. brutal.
0: Again, Fantastic similar to the train sequence where he like ru- he like rubs Sam hand on the train. Very similar to brutality. Uh, it and does make
4: he, me sad though that like there wasn't a fourth movie that was focused on. Okay, no, Harry is the villain of this movie because, uh, like, there's so much potential up to this point of what that back-and-forth could have been like, because, yeah, Nick mentions that, like, this this scene feels like there should have been two scenes before it to kind of break it up, and you're getting the resolution immediately. In, like, an alternate timeline, I can envision a full movie that is Harry Harry, Os- Harry Osborn is the villain, and we get that moment where he somehow disappears, and then, like, it is, for the next few scenes, just Harry being, like, em- an emotional terrorist toward Peter. Yeah. That's and, like, finding ways to, like... You know, fuck with him, and like maybe he drugs him or some shit, or like kidnaps Mary Jane again, or like there are there are things that Harry Harry Osborn should be doing to Peter to fuck him up and like really get that revenge on him, and that should be dragged out to some extent. But the fact he, that the resolution happens right here is
2: so disappointing. Yeah, the Osborne family, like Harry, should be a mix of like he should be like a physical villain, like the Goblin, but he should also be like Peter's Lex Luthor, right? Like, there's no reason Harry can't buy the fucking Bugle and fire Peter Parker. There's no no reason Harry can't, like, tank Peter's grades or his internship at Empire State. Harry could do so many things, but instead, he's going to eat pie and wink.
0: Yep. That's his grand plan. Thank Again, we've already
3: – we've already
0: – we're already well aware that Harry's a dullard. So, like, <laughs> you know, he doesn't really understand how the one plans this book. He got that good gas now, though. He does have that good gas now. And those good abs. And those weird underwear they put him in. We're going to throw that out there. When he comes out of the gas, thing, I was like, what's with the striped underwear? <laughs> like, you cost him wear, Like, for a second. Yeah. Awesome. It was a choice. <laughs> I think it – not not to say – not not to be too revealing here, but I feel like – it just drew the attention away from James Franco's amazing physique in that.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Enough said. Uh, then Peter's like, Peter heads down to the Daily Beagle to, quote, put some dirt in Eddie's eye.
2: <laughs> I'm going to put some dirt in your eye. Hey, Carboni, can I ask you a question? He's evil. Can you yeah.
0: imagine a set of circumstances in your life where mm-hmm. you would say that phrase out loud? <laughs> Seriously.
2: Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. If I if I was a photographer for a major metropolitan newspaper mm-hmm. and also that city's superhero and another photographer stole my job by making it look like I wasn't a superhero, I I would definitely say I'm going to put some dirt in your eye. Mm. Okay. Def- that, that is the perfect. exact idiom I would use at that moment.
0: Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, of course, he heads down to the Daily Beagle and he outs Eddie Brock as a fake because he, he shows Robbie the picture. and Robbie's like, that, they have the same picture. we got a printer attraction. JJ's like... You're, or at first, before he does that, he's like, dude, I'm begging you, Peter. Like, you know, I made a mistake. Forgive me. And Peter said, if you want forgiveness,
3: get religion.
0: And
5: Hell he yeah. Him. Oh, I and know then that. he gets fired. It um, happens
3: so fast. Like, the, before this moment, there's no reason for us to believe that Eddie Photoshopped his work. Yeah. He's a photographer. He didn't well, and the other thing is, This is Eddie so was, extra.
2: Eddie was there, and Eddie had his digital camera and there were so many shots that you could have taken that just made it look like Spider-Man was doing bad shit. Yeah. Or you like could have just yeah. It's very strange. But the strangest thing about this scene is Tobey Maguire's tough walk out where he sticks his little butt out when he's walking out of the office of the Bugle office and he's strut. doing like a little he's doing like a little uh like a lesbian mall power walker thing. Yeah. You know, with his butt, it's very cute. Well, he's, we're being, gonna, he's being we're, a mean boy. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about Tobey Maguire's walk.
0: In about one <laughs> sentence from now. Oh, uh, God. The Bugle Prince of Attraction and Dr. Connors calls. A lot of happens here very quickly. The Dr. cookie Connors call calls is brilliant. To tell Peter about He's like, dude, this, this symbiote. <laughs> Turns out I should have been a lot more excited about this when you first showed it to me. Because it's very dangerous, Peter. Uh, make sure you don't get too much, any of that on you. You don't have any left, right? And Peter's like, nah. nah, nah. Meanwhile, Ursula's just feeding him cookies.
2: And it, I love know. it.
4: It's so I
2: love weird. It. I actually, I think the cookie call is one of the is one of the most brilliant scenes in the film. I love the cookie call so much. I enjoy it too. It, it, I don't it, know if it's good, but I enjoy it a lot. Oh it's God. funny, and it's like I think the problem with this movie, like if I if I wanted to get down to one of like the philosophical problems of this movie, is the first two films, they had like a lot of comedic moments, and there were spaces, there was space for a lot of comedic moments. I think a a lot of the problem with this one is there's too much going on to want to take up space for these oddly comedic moments, but Sam Raimi really prioritizes them. Yeah. But the cookie bit's very good. Make me mm-hmm. some of walnuts. Go make me some. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: evil Peter just wants a different kind of cookie. Oh
1: my god. <laughs> that's how oh, no evil Peter all. What is cool. Like, oh.
2: <laughs>
3: It's walnuts.
2: Well, evil Peter's so like, bad. I could have two kinds of cookies. <laughs>
0: I don't even <laughs> want cookies. Go make me more cookies.
2: I didn't uh, eat all of my vegetables today, and I don't have to.
0: I'm going to tell you guys something right now. You guys probably don't know this because you're not as old as I am, so you didn't grow up with this as a meme. But in the late 70s, they made a movie called Staying Alive, Tim. And that movie uh, uh, was, was a weird film. Uh, it was a very dark film. Uh, a lot about, a lot of which about the, you know, going into the disco era after Vietnam displaced. Doesn't matter. It's about dancing at night, right? Drug abuse, things like that. But there's an iconic scene in it, of course, where one John Travolta, playing a character named Tony Manero, has to strut, right? He struts down the street to open the movie with a couple pans, cans of paint. And of course, he's highfalutin and he's wearing his clothes he's got his hair quaffed up. And what does he do? Of course, he walks into the paint store that he works at. And of course, it's a great it's a great scene because it shows how it shows the dichotomy of Tony Monero's life here, right? Tony, of course, thinks he's the shit, but he's working at this uh, this job as a paint store and he ain't the shit. But you know who is the shit here, Tim? <laughs> Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire's crotch is the shit here, Tim, because he thrusts this thing every which way but loose. And it's almost borderline offensive, some of the shit he does in the scene. And thank God they at least had all the women react appropriately to him. Because they're
3: all reacting with utter disgust. None of them are into it.
2: Utter disgust. Thank God. Thank God. Can I ask you all a question? Yes, you may. Knowing the history between Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi, negotiations, the crew, all this stuff, do you think this scene may be a little bit? Was to make Toby Maguire feel foolish. Yes. Do you think a little bit Definitely. of this was true revenge?
0: Also, it point of clarification: like I said staying alive, I meant Saturday Night Fever. Mm-hmm. You guys know what I meant. I Stay know staying alive also great. Though. Um, a hundred percent. He is, He comes off like a complete and total idiot in this, and it's embarrassing. It it makes you feel embarrassed to watch this. Scene. Yep. So true. This like is I want to highlight. I don't movie. want to watch this.
2: This is uh, third. This is our third. Third musical, no- third dance number. By thank the way,
0: thank you. Thank
4: you. This might be the like the most I've seen a movie fall off the rails. I I, I can't believe, and like the movie already wasn't great by any means, but for me it, the movie was very tolerable in terms of the actual quality of it. You know, like I, I I've, t- I've mentioned the action sequences that that have really spoken to me, and I like there is some there are some storytelling elements that I think are decent. The gap from like it being questionable to decent to it being completely trash in this one scene i think is actually very impressive and i'm curious to like wonder for folks out there who maybe want to like hit me up let me know is there a movie that somehow falls off halfway through in one scene in the way that this one does yeah Hmm.
2: i can't think of a single Hmm. movie where it all pivots on one scene like this Blast, i really can't
0: it's a decline
2: this is a huge decline and it happens in 45 seconds
0: yeah i'm gonna tell you one scene right now one word Martha, think about that right now as we continue along plot. I, I refuse. Think about that. Too. Good Martha, one. it's a really good point.
3: Save Martha. Who the fuck is Martha? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's What I would have said. Why did you do <laughs> that uh, game? I don't go. know why I said that. It has nothing to do with the Vietnam War. It has nothing to do with the Vietnam War. I just Uber
1: like, eats like, me like, some Dunkin' like,
0: Donuts.
1: God bless this
2: that.
0: movie. You got
2: some walnuts? Um, yeah, go cook me some walnuts. I yeah. do, but here's here's the part of the scene that I do sort of like, though. I like, you know, I'm a I'm a Betty I'm a Betty Brant stand from way back. I do like the sexual tension finally between Betty Brant and Peter Parker. Yep. I, like I you, too. do like I do like the symbiote giving <laughs> <No>. him <laughs> the
0: no way. Not.
2: No way. I do way. like this. I do like the symbiote giving him uh the courage to stand up to jj because this is stuff that would have happened in the comic that would have made him think the symbiote costume is good like these are things that would actually happen to make him go oh no this is working this is actually working you know
0: you (laughs) guys here we go anyway
1: (laughs) (laughs) betty brandt
0: let marco uh uh, reforms over in the park and looks at his locket yet again i'm like how does he keep a
2: hold of the fucking locket. I don't understand how the science in this movie works. Uh, Dude, watching then, this scene, I just thought, why isn't this just a Sandman movie? Watching the shot, I was like, God, he could have carried this whole movie.
3: He really totally could have, man. He it would have been so much better. But
0: we don't, alas. Peter and Gwen head out <laughs> for a nice night on the town, and where do they go, Tim? That's right, a jazz club. Meanwhile, Eddie's just lurking behind them, and he's like, Oh, something's gonna happen. So I'm just gonna follow Peter around. And he walks in, but the question, can we get a table? is what Gwen says. And of course, Peter knows how to get a table because he's got all his experience now. Uh, the, the symbiote doesn't give you knowledge, but how could we it get just a, reaches how, down and it, it finds the knowledge that's already within you.
2: How could we get a table at a jazz bar 2007? <laughs> Surely! <laughs> Surely here in 2007, the jazz bar is all booked up because of how the 20 somethings love the jazz and the chubby checker and whatnot.
0: Of course, Peter whistles to the hostess and then leans in and whispers in her ear Find us some shade. Thanks, hot legs. (laughs) And again, to the woman's credit, she looks at him with disgust. But in perfect Sam Raimi fashion, I'm not sure I'm supposed to feel about this because then she proceeds to find them a table for $20 or however much they <laughs> gave her. I'm
2: I not quite sure what Sam Raby's telling us here. I don't really understand what we're supposed to I do I definitely believe that this this scene, even if the walk wasn't, this one scene, this one in exchange right, right here we. was meant to make Tobey Maguire feel foolish and stupid. Because or once again, like we have this talked previously about how he was part of the quote-unquote Pussy patrol at this point in time. Making him look like this stupid and really was just like a little dig at him. It had to have been.
3: It's just the worst because I've spent, you know, weeks now talking about how I dislike this Peter Parker and I like the more fun side of Spider-Man. This scene feels like they were kind of like trying to be, oh, we'll make it fun. You didn't do it right, Samuel. You didn't do it right. No. This is not fun. This is embarrassing. Like Nick said, I hurt watching this. You made it gross. So bad.
1: It's so uh,
0: gross. And not only that, I mean, Jesus. The whole, the thing is this.
2: What's the thing? What's the thing, baby boy? Lay it on us. It. Baby boy, please. Talking,
0: I mean, have we talked about the fact that he shows up to his ex-girlfriend's place of work just to rub it in his face that he's getting someone new? This is not the action of someone who's a good character. This person, no, and yeah. this is coming from him. Venom's not making him do this. It's just amplifying the things that he wants to do. It's bonkers. but It's bad. It's a bad thing. I, mean, I would be remiss, now, Anthony, but yeah. there was a certain magic about Peter sort of flipping around on the walls as as he goes double time, double time, and kicks out I was going to say, the this school, is a good here, for choreography here. Honestly,
2: <laughs> honestly, it's a good dance sequence, and uh, honestly. If this was a high school musical, I'd be all about it. But it's like, in a Spider-Man movie.
1: <laughs>
4: and also,
2: yeah. Well, that's the problem, right? Here's the other problem. Peter Parker plays the piano now? Yep, sure he does.
5: Then when. Be awesome. uh, it's, it's a
4: symbiote quality.
2: Oh, the alien can play the piano because of the because oh, of their the favorite harmonic sound yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah.
6: Garbage.
2: <sighs> also, how
4: did he get to the piano still? Well, actually no, he excused himself, didn't he? He did excuse himself. And somehow got to the piano and Mary Jane just didn't notice.
2: Now, Gwen Stacy notices Mary Jane and specifically says, Oh, that's your ex. Is is this okay? Should we leave? And he goes, Oh, 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 I'll be fine. At that point, if Gwen Stacy is not a total Harry Osborne level toddler, Mentally, she should be like, I'm not. Fine. She knows right. this is gross. Yeah, this is bad. It's not should we leave. It's like, oh, why don't we get out of here? I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. Right. With this. And yeah. then he gets up on stage, plays piano next to her, mm-hmm. does a dance number, leans in for the kiss. Gwen Stacy only realizes at the end. Just right there. She
0: really, says, Gwen? And I quote, she says, and I quote, that whole thing was for her.
2: Yes, Gwen! When were you going to notice, Gwen? Because you were into it right up until literally this moment.
0: But see, this moments like this make me dislike characters. Sure. And so I look at this and I think this is the most, the single most embarrassing thing a character can do. This is not romantic. This is not heroic. This is not full of chivalry. This is just a very weird, embarrassing thing. Like if your friend did this, or even if your, your, your significant other of 10 years did this, you would be mortified. But for some reason, they write Gwen Stacy as loving it. She's like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. And it's only when he realizes that he's doing it for MJ, she realizes that he's doing it for MJ, is she disappointed. This right. makes me hate the Gwen Stacy character and not yeah. and not respect her at all, unfortunately. And yeah. that sucks because Bryce Alice Howard is good. She does a good job here, at least at the very end of like emoting uh, an emotion and being like, that's really disappointing. But we also have to remember... Guys, we, it's not like we set this character up as being someone like like a dullard like Harry, right? Yeah, she's at Columbia University as a fucking science major. She's not Empire State.
2: <sighs> it's Columbia, but it's Empire State. But I, M- I just, yeah. I just, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And there, because there's something about she notices at the end that it was all for MJ's benefit. But even if she only noticed at the at the end. In the back of her mind the entire time, she knows his ex is here. She knows this date is in front of the ex. So she's kind of into it. Mm. Right? Mm. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Bad scene. Bad scene. Great Great choreography. Great Great choreography. Is this the last scene? Musical number number four.
0: Is this the last
4: scene where we see Gwen Stacy until, like, the end of the movie? Yes, she did for a while. I, I thought we saw her. Maybe, do we, her? we see her again? I do think we see her she, again.
2: She's at the funeral, uh, because for some reason, the yes. Stacys no, the no, know the Osborne. No, Harry
4: Osborne, Yeah, I'm right. noticing the same thing. being like, what the fuck? Uh, but yeah, that's a terrible way to treat this character as well. The fact yeah. that, like, this was her penultimate scene, and they're like, cool, let's just use her as a way for Peter to get back in Mary Jane, and then dismiss her for the rest of the movie. Ridiculous.
2: This is a pivotal post-1970s, up until... Today, this is a pivotal character in Peter Parker's life. The initial motivator is Uncle Ben, but then it's also Gwen Stacy and not wanting to lose anybody again. Mm-hmm. It's such a major thing. And to reduce her to the blonde one or the redheaded one, like some sort of episode of fucking Riverdale, it just fucking sucks. It just yeah. fucking sucks for this to be the way Gwen Stacy's treated. And that's, that is one of the things that I did like about the movie that we're watching next, because at least Gwen Stacy gets some fucking respect in, uh, in, in Gwen,
0: our club. Dude, night and day. Emma Stone's portrayal, the way they write her in that, so much more likable and so much more three dimensional. Um, but I will say this I just was, when you mentioned a while back, like the, the goblin suit and what it's going to look like in No Way Home, I was like, oh, I'll Google that. And I was just kind of fishing through some of the images and I got to the um the Dane De goblin. <laughs> guys, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Ooh, ooh, it, it, oh man, no, that one was bad. Give me the plastic mask back. I digress. Uh Tom McGuire, terrible fucking dancer in this, let's move on.
5: Yep. Uh
0: let's see Pete heads to church and he's like Oh, no, I'm sorry, before this happens, of course, the, the bouncer's like, hey, I think maybe you should leave, dude, because you're fucking bouncing off the walls, and uh, you're talking to MJ, and she clearly doesn't want to be talking to you, so Peter decides to snap that dude's wrist, and then every the scuffle happens, and, and he just backhands MJ. She tries to stop, him, and he just backhands her to the ground, and she's like, Jesus Christ, and Peter's like, uh-oh, I think that the assault might be too much. Now I have to go to find some Jesus. The assault
2: please. might be too much. Yes. Now, I will, we're, we're just going to set aside the fact that being backhanded by a, Spider-Man that's clearly not controlling his strength. Right. He just probably should have broken Kirsten Dun- Kristen Dunst in half. But we're going to let that one go. We're going to let it go. We don't need to worry we're, about it. We're going to let it go because he's got to oh, randomly uh, wind up at the biggest bell in the city. Yep. <laughs> Which is in the church at, uh, at a big cathedral. And so of why does it, he wind up there? He doesn't know about the Sonics yet.
0: he It's called Coincidence, and it's a storyteller's best friend. Uh <sighs> he heads the church and of course who you want to talk about coincidence blessing, it just so happens
3: to be Eddie Brock's church that he goes to. He found religion. He, he told him to get religion me. and he did. Dude, this could have all worked so well. This goes back to what I was talking about the setup and payoff. Like this is a payoff to things that weren't set up. Like him telling Brock to go get religion. That's not what I'm talking about. This should have been led to like Carboni was just saying of like Somehow Peter knows okay this thing is uh, reacting to sound. Maybe if when he was playing fucking piano, the shit started like fucking up or something. It's like, cool. I guess I need where can I get a lot of sound? The bell. Cool. Yeah. They don't do that. And so instead it's like a. It, it feels like it's a lot more symbolic than it is good, but I don't understand quite what the symbolism is.
2: Yeah. I mean in the comics he goes to the bell at the church because he does know at that point. Because he
3: knows.
0: knows. He knows. Um, that, which is great.
2: And so it feels like Raimi creating a pivotal Venom scene. You know, one of the things that Raimi said going back to this movie is, like, I definitely tried to put two – between me and the studio, we all tried to put more fan service in and actually doing service to the characters. And so I think this was Raimi just trying to recreate an iconic scene with the church bell and Eddie becoming Venom, but there's no motivation to it. I do like that Eddie prays to God, like, very – very sincerely for it the death of Peter Parker. I come here today <laughs> like such humbled <laughs> and humiliated
0: to ask you for one thing. I want you to kill Peter Parker. And listen, say what you will about the fact that I just cast a guy that looks exactly like Tobey Maguire and is just a swarmy version of him. But God bless Topher Grace because he just – they're like, Topher,
2: we need you to be creepy. And he's like, don't worry, guys. I was born creepy. Here we <laughs> go. <laughs> Topher, he left – he walked away from that 70s show. Mm-hmm. He gained 24 pounds of muscle that you never see. Don't need to see it. Yeah. He didn't need to do it, nope. but he did because he really wanted to make this movie work. And uh, you can tell he's having fun and he did he did the research and he's putting the he's putting the work in. He's just such a mismatch for yeah. not well, him. No, no. But say, the character is a mismatch for this. Series. He is perfect for the
0: character that they wrote him. Yeah, I think he is perfect casting for this film, and that's an unfortunate thing to say because yeah. you don't want to be perfect. In Spider Man three. You well, don't want to like be the guy that was like, Yeah, you fit perfectly in Spider Man three. But Topher, Topher Grace does a good job. He does a terrible job as a creepy fucking Eddie
2: Brock. Well you can tell like what we talked about for Spider Man two, how they nearly brought Jill and Hall in and you're like, like, because you know Gyllenhaal Hall was one of the people they initially had, you know you know they had Topher Grace audition too. You know oh, before they hired Toby oh, yeah, of course. You know Topher was in that room and he was auditioning to be Peter Parker. So I, I, I guarantee I, it. So the fact that they had him back in to be douchebag Peter Parker. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, uh, this transformation scene is pretty
0: cool. I love it. I mean, again, I I stand by the fact that like the the effect of Venom like oozing down on him and like latching onto him and he, and trying to get it off and like I it's terrifying. And yeah. from this point on, the stuff that Venom does is legitimately scary. Like it popping out, it grabbing. There's one scene yeah. where it, like it just reaches down and grabs Spider-Man by the head. And it's fucking terrifying. Um, so say what you want well on that one. I, I, but I, I love like the way
2: he just he just gives stuff. himself over to the symbiote immediately and his teeth and his eyes and yeah. everything. It's just it's great.
0: Well, he has that great line later, too. Where he's like, I like being bad.
2: Yeah. It, it
0: feels good. You know? And you're like, oh, you know what? The one character that can actually tell the truth in this movie. <laughs> there we go. Uh, anyway, uh, Aunt May comes over to ask. This whole thing happens. They get, he gets the thing. black like, ooh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Aunt May comes over to ask Peter. He's like, hey, hey Peter. Whatever happened with that whole proposal thing? And Peter's like, oh, no, yeah, it didn't go well. You said the husband's got to put his did. wife before him. I am not ready for that. And she goes, okay, what happened? He goes, oh, uh, I ended up going, taking another woman to her place of work after she broke up with me, and then it ended with an altercation where I knocked her to the ground with the back of my fist. And it made like a dance before that, though. So. I did play some piano. <laughs> I did play a little piano beforehand.
2: But I remembered some of the piano you taught me, so uh,
0: kind of a loss. Still a good, still a good point. <laughs> yeah, <is> still positive. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, let's see. Aunt Maeve tells Peter, "She's like, listen, Peter, that all sounds horrible, but you got to do the one thing. You have to start with the hardest step. You got to forgive yourself." And Peter's like. <laughs> Peter's like, I've murdered two people, and I assaulted my girlfriend. I don't think me forgiving myself is the hardest step, but we'll we'll move on from there.
2: Also, I think I let an alien goo just go free.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's didn't mean, really yeah. pay
2: attention. I just was like, I just let an alien, a murderous alien goo. I don't know.
0: To be fair, that's half Doc Connors' fault, too. I think Doc Connors can share some of the blame for that. <laughs> uh, Eddie just randomly syncs up with Flint Marco. Just finds him in the middle of downtown. The cops can't find him, but Eddie's like, I'll find him. Until Toa oh. Grace... <laughs> Dude, Topher Grace's voice in the Venom suit makes no damn sense.
2: It's, it's so weird. weird. Why didn't they tell him to change it up or add, add an effect afterwards?
0: Get like get Keith David or anyone that's got an amazing deep voice to be the voice of Venom. Someone like iconic like that would be. I'm sorry. Right.
2: Tom- oh God. It's weird. It's <sighs> weird that when Venom opens his mouth with like the weird spike teeth and the big CG tongue, and it's just like. Hey, Kelso, do you want to go get high in the basement? you know, like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> what? Exactly.
0: <laughs> it was very weird. Uh, anyways, like, listen, man, we should team up. And Flint's like, okay, you seem like a giant fucking eating monster. And I, pr- I purport to be a good guy, but You seem whatever, pretty trustworthy. Fabulous. Yeah, you seem <laughs> cool. Uh So what they do, what they always do, and they just take MJ hostage and they put her in a taxi. Um, oh, this part is scary to me, too.
2: Why? Why? Why, why would Eddie Brock be driving the cab? Why wouldn't Eddie watch, like, just go up and take her from the apartment? How would he be driving a random cab at the random moment that MJ randomly leaves her place? Why wouldn't Venom just take her in a spooky way?
0: I think it's probably because, A, we've already seen that happen in this movie. Don't forget that that's exactly how Harry uh, took her. And, B, I will say. coincidence. When he turns around... By the way, that like, New York oh,
2: landlord fixed that wall in her New York apartment real quick.
0: Yeah, well, she's got a good landlord, unlike Dick, Dickovich, Mike Dick <laughs> over there. Uh, I will say, though, the scene where he kind of lunges at her in this scared the shit out of me. Like, mm-hmm. it's a good, good bit of, like, that, the old school Sam Raimi sort of horror. Uh, right. Pete heads over to Harry's house. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> We're watching this on the news. And someone's like, uh, the, the news reporter, who is just the worst in this, this British news reporter, is like, what can possibly, who could possibly, there seems to be a message in the webbing. And the camera zooms in and then zooms out and focuses, and it says, Spider-Man, comma, stop us if you can, period. Also, comma, grab us some Starbucks on the way over if you can, period. <laughs> hey, it's not no you big deal. you don't
2: need to write that in a web. No, <laughs>
0: oh, you know, We understand
2: web. the Sandman and the spooky symbiote and MJ are all in one place. I know where I'm supposed to yeah, be. Guys, I why why do you have to write it in the web? You don't have to write it in the web.
0: For the three people in the audience that had that passed out right around the jazz sequence and just woke up. That's why. Come that's on. Uh, so Peter does what any good person would do. He heads over to Harry Faust, even this guy's tried to kill him multiple times and actually tried to kill MJ a couple times too. And he's like, Listen, man, let's let's call it what it is. <laughs> Listen uh, deep down, you know, you put everything aside, we're friends. And I need your help with this. And Harry Harry turns and his face is, like, super scary. He's like, are we friends? (laughs) Because my looks looks and my amazing still-life artistry are pretty much the only things that I have going for me at this point. Uh, But Harry's like, get the fuck out before I kill you. Uh, And this finally is where Bernard steps in.
2: Fuck it. This Harry, Harry, she needs us. Fuck you, worse Peter Parker. But, yeah, Bernard, uh, his big monologue that Bernard gets because he's good at lines. Sir, the night your father died.
0: I cleaned his wound. The blade that pierced his body came from his glider. There is no question that he died by his own hand.
2: Somebody standing right off frame, Nick, with cue cards mouthing the words at Bernard yeah. <laughs> so this dude <laughs> doesn't forget.
0: They're just coaxing Bernard over to the scene with just a fifth of Jack Daniels. Like, come on, Bernard, come on, come wait. on. You get, you get your medicine.
7: What do you think Bernard's backstory was that he cleaned the wounds and then, like, he... He basically sees alright, he's got two stab wounds in his chest and he's like, Yeah. Yeah, these are self inflicted. Well, yeah, he, 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 these are self inflicted. This was his glider
2: and he shot it into himself. That's he, the knows, only thing. he knows that uh he knows that the goblin was happening all around him. He cleaned the goblin's wounds because I guess he's an EMT or a mort- or a mortician. Mm-hmm. And and he's also C S I because he looked at those wounds and he's like Them's goblin glider wounds. What? But you didn't know what, what a house guest was. You didn't understand how to pick up food, Bernard. You can't read a line. And also, Bernard, it's been a year. You were just holding on to that information, my guy, Bernard. What? You could have just been... said, oh, no, your friend Peter's telling the truth. Why now? Why now, Bernard?
0: exactly mm-hmm.
2: Exactamunda. Uh, can we, we get that again? again? No. Please. Kevin, no, Kevin the, vo- kids, the voice the voice of Kevin popped up. <laughs> Kevin Kevin is so angry about this scene as we all are. <laughs> Kevin's- Kevin. Has
0: his power. This is amazing, Kevin.
7: No, it's not that I'm angry, it's just one of those things where it's like it's all speculation. Like wh- like why would he think that the the uh the wounds are self-inflicted. But it, it was a glider, glider
4: that came directly from him from the opposite side of the room. Yeah. room and
7: it's like, why it, would you know Spider that was self-inflicted? Spider-Man could have easily grabbed him and threw him, like, on his own glider, you know? Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's all ridiculous.
2: No, because the, the wounds, as he cleaned them, uh, he found a lot of blood, but also self-loathing.
7: Mm-hmm. And that's how yeah. he knew. That was oozing yeah. out. That's true. It was, yeah.
2: it, was, it was oozing out. Yeah, I you know, for them to try to pull Bernard is Alfred... At this point in time, is a bit much for me to swallow.
4: I wish there was like security footage or some shit of the glider killing, uh, uh, killing Norman Reed or not Norman Reed, Norman Osborne. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or Norman Reedus,
0: that'd be interesting. Just throw that element in. There. As
4: there. cheap and easy <laughs> as that would be, I would at least, at the very least, believe it. Yeah. But Bernard
2: comes in and he goes, Sir, I've recovered the GoPro footage from the glider. Your, but your father was doing sick tricks. <laughs> <laughs>
7: and he had his pro <laughs> as always. But if, if that ten eighties. even if if that was the case, it was still like in a moment where Green Goblin was trying to murder Spider Man when he self inflicted himself, you know?
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty it's,
2: it's But it's, it's still it's, it's, Peter didn't do it, you know what I mean? But it's it's weird yeah, that he Bernard he was the cause. It's weird that Bernard was the pivotal thing that brings that to That's Harry's attention ball. after it's all these terrible. movies.
0: It's poor writing, and they wrote that like I said earlier. They wrote themselves into the a corner. They're like, we gotta have Harry have a, a, a turn here, and we don't know how to get at that. So let's use this character that was clearly supposed to be set dressing to deliver this incredibly important piece of plot yeah, information. Absolutely. And absolutely. Just fucking terrible. It's, and it's and it's like irredeemable. Like you shouldn't. At this point, I love Sam Raimi, but take his director's card away from him. He's not allowed to direct movies anymore. But, wow. It's, take it it's,
7: Doctor Strange is coming up. If instead of Bernard telling him he saw a clip of his, how his dad died yeah, I from the like GoPro
0: I feel like he'd still be like yeah fuck spider-man
1: yeah.
7: Like yeah. Still, he
0: doesn't know that Spider-Man, like, his dad wasn't, like, was a bad guy. Although he probably could d- discern it from the fact that he's been huffing the fucking green gas, and now he's well, kind of... Yeah, like this the point, and no also, those, and
2: also that his dad uh, interrupted the Macy Gray Thanksgiving Day Parade and turned people God. into skeletons.
0: kill the skeletons, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, remember that, because that bomb's going to come back into play in the third act. Uh, here we go. Spider-Man swings on the scene with a giant American flag behind him and heads up uh, the web to MJ. Uh, Venom swings in and makes a reference to Spidey. His, he's like, my Spidey. A sense of tingling, which Tim, I don't I don't get that reference. Can you explain it to me? I hate it. <laughs> uh,
1: Can hate you explain what oh. you're
3: talking about, Tim? God, it's just so bad. It just it's inappropriate. Like it, it doesn't even feel accurate to any character in this movie saying something like that at this moment. Very, Are you ready to hate it even more? Like Are you, like you, ready you, more? Yes, Are you all
2: ready to hate it even more? Please. Topher Grace improv that on the spot and fought to keep it in.
1: Uh, oh. No Topher oh. <laughs>
2: Bad Topher, show more grace. Bad. Oh, let really Topher good. more grace.
0: Yes, yeah. really bad. Doesn't get any better than that humor. Uh, he gets uh, he gets the better of Peter until MJ drops his hinder block on his face, and then Pete and Venom fight as they fall very slowly to the ground.
2: Uh, the dump truck above. Did you know, by the way, that they call New York the nickname for New York is the Big Sand because of, of how much sand there is in New York. Oh man, there's so what... much sand. Any city block in New York, and I, and you may not know this, Nick. Any city block in New York, three to four good inches of sand on the ground. Oh,
0: of course. Of course. <laughs> it's, it's how they kill all the rats. They just keep dumping yeah. the sand on them. And the rats are like, well, I guess I'm going to move to Florida because there's less sand there.
2: Uh, and if you didn't know that, you find it out in this next shot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Peter tries to save MJ, but the sand underneath him starts to move, and Mega Sandman is formed uh venom straps peter to a steel girder and same man starts pounding him into oblivion in unconsciousness and then things look pretty dire until out of nowhere Sandman takes a pumpkin right dart to the neck and two kids scream, Awesome and the other one screams, Wicked, Wicked cool. cool. And then one the third one goes, Where are our parents? And why are they letting us watch this this people get murdered right in front of us? And then his friend goes, That's New York baby.
2: Yeah, That's the way kids are in the big sand.
0: These people are four feet away from explosions happening and their parents are like, We'll just watch the big sand. <laughs> that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry jo- Born has joined the fight, and things get interesting. JJ scrambles to get uh, to get a, a, a photo, and this kid scans hey, his a little camera.
2: Hey, Sam. Mm-hmm. A little too much. Little too much JJ comedy again. And listen, mm-hmm. I love JJ.
0: Yeah. Maybe a little
2: too they much. It like, breaks my heart.
4: They squandered him in this movie, and Yeah. They, but
2: no. that's the thing is they squandered him, but they also used him way too much. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like. He oh, should be in way less of this movie, as much as I love him.
3: We now, Blessing, his, I want to. I want to. Yeah, better. I would have been fine with the amount he was in it, because he was great in the other movies, like, and he was in those a fair amount too. Mm-hmm. If it was motivated the way it was, like mm-hmm. even in,
2: in Spider-Man Two, like in the first one where he's where where we see he doesn't give up his sources and things like that, like there there was a humanity they were building up into into JJ that they just didn't put in there. Blessing, you mentioned earlier, like. Like, these moments that should be really emotional that just don't work. Harry Mm. showing up. Can you imagine, when you're watching the first Spider-Man, that you would ever think Harry showing up to save Peter in Spider-Man 3 would affect you less than this fucking scene affects you?
3: Here's the thing. I was saying this earlier. I could not disagree with you more, Carboni. If you just look at this one sliver of a scene, like just maybe 20 seconds that are just fucking awesome, surrounded by utter trash. Kevin, I, I sent it to you. If you could please pull this up. I want us to experience this together. Okay. So I'll catch. Start, start at 31 seconds. With, with audio, please.
0: I hate that now. But,
2: uh, I can't uh, see you too soon. No! <laughs> nah,
4: I should feel way more than I feel right, right. now. It's I'm sorry. sorry. It's all, it's all down downhill from yeah. here. It's all fucking him.
0: downhill. Look at his face in this. <laughs> <laughs> Look at uh, it, Tim. Nah, Nick, Look Nick you're so you
1: so
7: right about the dorkiness. He's fucking ridiculous. ridiculous. such a doofus.
2: God. I mean... Yeah, I mean he's a he's a dork. He's a nerd. He's he's the classic. He's the Silver Age Spider-Man. Yeah. There's a way to make him this, look this being... not as annoying.
4: <laughs> this scene worked a little bit for me when That's I jam-less. when I watched it
7: all over again.
4: When I was watching it on my PSP like back in the day, I think it worked yeah. a little bit for me. But every single time I watched it, because it 240p, it it you couldn't really see it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't see the doofy face. But like now, <laughs> now that I go back and, and watch it. The, just the setup isn't there enough for me to actually get actually hyped and excited about it. Like, the idea is there. And, like, yeah, like, thinking about the overall, uh, like, trilogy and how we got here and thinking about, like, oh, man, like, finally it's happening. That right. moment is, I think, in theory hype. But in practice, I, I just couldn't. I, I, it's hard for me to get excited about it when it's like, bro, we just blew up your face. <laughs>
2: Like, and we, we, just, we just did that. We just because I think there's a world where we pull the venom out of it, you know, because because Raimi didn't want to do it or whatever. And then we pull, you know, we pull some of these elements out to where it's just Sandman and Harry, right? And kill kill the uh kill the uh the amnesia shtick and just have him out of the gate because you know you've only got two hours. Mm. Have him become the goblin and come for Peter. Why not? You've been building up for three movies and then somehow throughout the movie, you have him come to the realization. Or even if it's just to come save MJ, and then they wind up fighting together and becoming friends again, there's a way that this scene could have worked for me. Yeah, I mean, but the, in this the, movie the it is... just
4: doesn't, I feel like, stretched it out way too long. I think that's a good point, that they could have just had that be the whole movie, like, be the whole, like, thread of, he just comes through at random points and fucks Spider-Man up. The whole movie could have been Spider-Man is after Sandman, and then, like, the Venom thing happens, which, like... I'm I'm. There's another movie where I'm like, cool, just keep Venom out of it. But yeah. let's say if it is this movie, right? That can be the focus. Spider-Man taking on Venom and Sandman, and then also on the side is Harry Osborn coming through at the most random times, and he is the X Factor that is keeping Peter from actually like defeating his other villains. That would make this so much stronger if he, at this point Harry is like all right, really, now that um, Mary Jane is in trouble, we're the only ones that can stop this and that can actually save her. I'm going to stop being in your way, and I'm going to unite with you in this one moment, and then, yeah, we can finally have this moment of us understanding that we are not enemies. That could be really cool and really special, but yeah. the amazing thing just, com- it just comes through and just fucks it all up. Well, yeah, yeah you know, the thing that feels,
2: like, feels like something that Rainey really wanted, and when they made him add two additional villains, he refused to cut. You know what I mean? No, you know,
0: the, the amnesia thing feels like you might as well end this with it was all a dream. I <laughs> dreamed this whole thing, and Peter was in his bed. It's such a yeah. lazy mechanic to put in your story. It's a child right with there. a
2: Spider-Man snow globe.
0: I, it's, I'm right there with you, uh, and, and I and I, I love that idea for that story. That like MJ is sort of the the ground for both Peter and Harry, and they're she's like the one thing that's like keeping them in reality, and they're sort of like that, you know I think that could have been cool, but unfortunately in this instead uh we don't get that we get mj uh landing and peter's like are you okay and she's like nah man i'm pretty fucking far away from okay uh this i'm done with both of you uh harry launches missiles and takes sandman out while peter hunts down venom uh venom gets the better of peter and he says never wound which you can't kill and he tries to and then he's like so let me reason with you man the power feels good but you'll lose yourself and he's like i like being bad it makes me happy and for i some love reason, that
2: i love that he's good <laughs> listen there's a world where he's good there's a world where he's good in this movie. There really is. And it's called Venom. It's a movie. Ben, he's good, Matt.
0: He's a good guy. Um, I don't like the teeth they put into his mouth here, though. They're like weird them. and they're very distracting. I like them. But so I'm a
2: break, pro tooth.
0: Just I'm loving like... it. Are you a pro tooth? Good enough.
2: I'm pro tooth.
0: Uh, Eddie moves in for the killing blow, but Harry stops him uh, and gets knocked to his ass for it. Uh, the commotion loses. It happens so
3: fast. Like, yeah. Harry's turn in this movie is just so ridiculous where it's like it almost could just be described in, like, five sentences, and each sentence is just like, he's a bad guy, amnesia, he's a good guy, it's questionable, he kills himself. <laughs> like, yep. damn, okay. Well,
2: well, you and also, the physics are real good those Those snowboard physics in this fight are real good That's great, man <laughs> there's it. a moment where he like jumps and grabs onto the bottom of his board to like avoid a sandman and then flips himself back up and i'm like. Explain to me how any of this is
3: working. <laughs> and then, there's also a scene where he's on the board and Peter's, like, on the front, like, <laughs> and they're just gliding together. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so cornball. This whole
2: thing is so corny. And it's because the turn isn't earned, and so every part of this just feels, it just heightens the comedy of the moment. Yes. God, I also don't understand how this is one of
3: the
4: few action scenes that, as a whole, does, just doesn't work as well as the rest of the action scenes in the movie for me. Like, the this movie has some really great action scenes like we've talked about. Like, I think about the Harry versus Peter one a lot in terms of, oh, that was sick. Uh, the two Harry Potter versus Peter ones. This entire scene for me is just like a it's – a, it's a mess, and I think maybe it's just that they're doing a lot between Sandman and Harry and Venom and Peter, and them trying to cut between all that while also uh, 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 doing the Mary Jane factor might just be too much for them to handle, but – it, it didn't work out for me as,
3: as much as I wanted it to. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason is that there's so many elements that, not just elements of characters and stuff, but in elements they're introducing in this fight. Like, we don't yeah. know that Venom's weak to sound, sound until this fight. We don't know that Sandman is weak against fire until this fight. They've spent the whole movie setting up water. And now we have we see a water. fire like, blasting way, We see a water tower in the
0: distance when he comes in. There's a big it's water cool. tower here.
3: Yeah, but it just seems weird that they're throwing a bunch of shit where it kind of just feels like... Punchy, punchy. Instead of like using things they set up to actually solve the problem, and it, th- all the things were there. There was a water tower.
2: Also, I just want to say there's a difference between the sonics of a of like a giant church bell and a couple pieces of rebar. Mm-hmm. And there's no way in the comic books a couple pieces of rebar hitting together would have killed Venom. But that's fine.
4: It's well, here we is fine. are. God, this is it makes Venom weakest. so much more so much weaker, right? Yeah. Like. You can just be walking down the street and hear two pieces of metal hit each other. And, if like, you all of have a sudden you're freaking out. If you have a hit
2: clip on your belt and you turn it up real loud, Venom God, has to it. run away. A fucking hit
5: clips. beautiful. If you
2: have "Steal My Sunshine on hit clips.
0: It's true. <laughs> you're, watching, you're watching that scene from SNL where, you're like, I need more cowbell. And you start freaking out Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you Little can't watch that. Into it.
2: And it's sad because it's, it's a funny scene and Venom crazy. can never watch it.
0: Great. See, I read a funny piece of uh, a clip where, uh, uh, I, forget, I think it was Jimmy Fallon was talking about it and how he was, Christopher Walken came up to him like years later and was like, you ruined my life. Because now every yeah. single fan that comes up to him goes, gotta have more cowbell. Anyway, who knows if that's real or not, but I do know what's real, ladies and gentlemen, is that the, Peter uses a bunch of pipes to kill Venom. And as he's uh, as he's going around, <laughs> ringing the bells, ringing the bells, uh, Eddie starts to separate from him and Peter webs him and pulls him out, which I think is super cool. Uh, yeah. And then he takes, he just like kicks up one of, uh, Goblin's bombs, one of his disintegration bombs, times it and throws it into the mix and then of course Eddie's like, no, my suit I love it! And he jumps in too and the whole thing just disintegrates. Thankfully he, he grabs the one that, doesn't, that disintegrates not explodes. Or do they all just disintegrate?
2: I don't know. I think it's doesn't a disintegration matter. slash explosion. I don't know. They do whatever mm-hmm. they need to do in the moment. They're Perfect. plot bombs.
0: And then Flint comes over and he tells Peter that he's like, listen I did this all for my daughter. She needed money and I was scared. And he's like, your, your Uncle Ben tried to help me, and the gun just went off. It was a cruel accident, and the one that, I, that, that, that Flint wishes he could take back. And Peter looks him in the eyes, and he understands. And he goes, wait, I'm sorry. So the blonde guy... Nothing to do with this
2: whatsoever? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ooh, that's uh, pretty awkward. Cool, cool, and cool, cool. cool, cool and you in
2: the car during the getaway? Because why? Yeah, but, uh, I don't understand. All right. Hmm. Listen, I'm a fan of forgiveness. I love forgiveness as a sure. theme for this sure. trilogy. Um, We're forgiven a bit much
3: with the Sandman, aren't we, to let yeah. him
2: just disappear and fly away?
3: I mean, literally, the scene before this conversation is him as giant Sandman punching a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. What am I missing, guys? Like, can you explain this to me? Like, what causes, what's the impetus of this space turn?
0: Um, I think that he's just, I don't know. It's a great question. I don't know. I think he wanted to kill Spider-Man, and now he's like, I don't want to kill anyone anymore because Venom's dead, and I don't have a friend yeah. anymore. So he's not a bad there. guy, he's, he's
2: just had bad luck.
0: He's yeah. exhausted. He's tired of fighting.
2: Uh, yeah, there's no uh, Yeah, there's no real reason for it. Uh, it seems like something that Flint should have tried earlier in the film because, mm-hmm. you know, he really is just constantly trying to explain himself. You know, he's supposed to be a down-on-his-luck guy. Yeah. seems very weird. It also seems very weird. Like, you can forgive him, Peter, but you're not allowed to forgive him on behalf of the 40 or so people that got murdered in the fucking multiple fights that you had. You can't forgive him for, like, the multiple bank robberies. Like, that's not a thing. It's not... Those are not things that you're allowed to forgive for people. Correct. Yeah. As yeah. he turns into Sand and goes, bye. Hey. Still, yeah,
4: still it's committing crimes. The, okay. par- the parallel here should be that, like, in the way that Harry has forgiven Peter at this point for, quote, unquote, murdering his father, it should be the same. The, the, the Peter Sandman thing should be should be a parallel to that, right? It should be, oh, shit, like, I'm, I'm, Harry is basically to me what I am to Sandman and I should probably, look like, look into who, like, why would Feynman do this? Oh, it's an accident. Okay, should I forgive this person? Like, it should be a clear par- parallel, and it should work like that, and it should be powerful, but in execution, it just doesn't work.
2: Yeah, and I think I think the second Flint sees particularly that that Venom is willing to kill this woman and a bunch of other people, not accidentally, not as collateral damage, but for real, you would think Flint would make his turn there, knowing what we know about Flint. Yeah. But no. Um, anyway, but if somehow Thomas Hayden Church makes this scene work because he's so fucking good. He is.
0: And he's a good actor. And he's tan And he's jacked. And he flies away. Peter's like, you know what? I've done some stupid shit, too. And I'm going to ugly cry for you right now. So, And he flies away. He's like, cool. And then Peter apologizes to Harry. He's like, I'm sorry, amigo. And then he ugly cries for Harry. And Harry calls and he's like, you're my friend. To which Peter replies, best friend. And then Harry's like... <laughs> And then here he goes, I would kill for you. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, he I, dies.
2: He dies. Were, were you all scared like I was that Bernard was going to speak at this funeral? Yeah. Like, I hadn't watched this movie in years, and when they go to the funeral and they show Bernard stand up first, I was like, <gasps> Bernard's going to give a eulogy. I'm going to have to sit through Bernard speaking. Was I
7: was terrified. It I hope he back right. in the way home.
0: I hope so, too. I think I hope there's one shot of him just coming out of the, I don't know, coming out of somewhere. It doesn't matter. At the head of the funeral, so Peter can monologue about choice. And he goes, whatever comes our way, whatever battles we have raging inside of us, we always have a choice. My friend Harry
2: taught me that. Did he? Did he? Also, I just want to say, get the check, Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello, as Flash Thompson is there for a split second, I said, get paid, Joe. Yeah, Buy Harry, yourself some new... Buy yourself some new D twenties.
0: Yeah, dude. Let you know there.
2: He chose to be
0: the best of himself. It's the choices who make us who Did that make us who we are. We can always choose to do what's right. I choose to fast forward to the jazz scene of this movie and never look back. Oh no wait, we're back in the jazz club. <laughs>
3: <laughs> My bad. We Maybe ended. This in jail, is number five. The number
1: five, five. Number five. And
3: I, I feel like this one doesn't get talked about enough. I know that we we talk about pretty much all the other ones constantly. They're all memes. But Mary Jane just stops singing and walks off the stage. Mm-hmm. As Peter, no. so Peter walks up and he offers her
0: his hand.
2: He's doing that thing again. Here's the thing. Peter is doing that self-centered Peter thing that he's done throughout this trilogy yeah. where it's come like up your what job. you're doing is not important right now. How I feel about you is important right now. Mm-hmm. And so I need you to stop your job and ruin it and come off with me right now because I'm making a grand gesture. Mm-hmm. This is an abusive relationship. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's not good. Don't even get me started on the symbolism. Of Peter offering her the same hand he used to <laughs> oh, smack no. her to the ground earlier. <laughs> God, it's weird. You and guys. then she Horrible
1: hugs call.
3: him. She hugs him for it. The end. <sighs> We're done. What remember the, remember the Go Get Him Tiger? Remember Go how
1: hyped him, that Tiger. swinging
0: was? Let's and watch then that again. Let's watch that's the tape uh, out of our mouth and let's watch God. that again. This movie ends on such a dud hour note, dude. Just what's happening? Yeah, and
2: what Sam game. Raimi has said many times that he was really hoping to make up to he hated this movie all the way through and he was hoping to make it up to audiences with Spider-Man 4 um which he never got to make. Wow. Uh, wow. And, and are you are you are you ready for why they didn't make Spider-Man 4? Uh, this movie out. this movie made so much money. This movie was fine. They would have made another one. He walked away cuz they finally he wanted to do the next movie with the vulture. And he had already planned and written this movie with the vulture. And they said, we'll do it if you also do the lizard at the same time. And you know how much he wanted to do the lizard. But he also told them he was never going to do a multi-villain movie again because mm-hmm. it was too much. And they were like, we'll give you the lizard. And he was like, you know what? Fuck you guys. You're the worst. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he just walked away. I would too. Good boy. God bless him. He made his money. He did his
0: bit
3: for King and Country. He did. Yeah, he did. Now, we're in an interesting place here because Andy's not here. So, Blessing at AOEA Junior, I'm putting you on the spot. Hit me don't, with don't haiku in review.
4: Oh, I don't even know how it goes. Uh, seven. seven oh, uh, seven syllables in the middle. You got five for the first for the and first last one. line. Mm-hmm. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku in review. Haiku in review. Everybody now stuff.
3: You fucking nailed there. Good Earth, shit. Earth, you can Earth, love to see it. You can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny to write your review in haiku form just like Dan H. did. This film sucks so much. <laughs> <laughs> Emo Parker is so good. Better than Venom. Andrew Woo! Feister says, new shirt feeling sweet. Dancing, winking down the street. Movie is not neat. <laughs> no, no it is not. that's what we got there. Uh, and then we got a little bit of Ragu Do You want to do that, Nick? Sure. Fine. Da-da, da-da, da-da. Oh, ragu. Da-da, da-da,
0: da-da. Bagu. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Rad Guys Talk Bad Guys here for the Spider-Man Sam Raimi in review. Uh, do I have this or do you have this, Sam? I have it. Do I have it? Maybe do I have it. I don't, it? I don't, I don't know. When are doing it? Doing
3: it. Let's just talk about these fucking villains. Oh sure, like, we can talk about them. They're just it's it's real it's real terrible. bad. And Let's I think off. that after rewatching these, like I feel like I don't remember where I was the last time we did a review. But where I'm at now is I thought that Sandman is a sympathetic character, and then now I'm like no. And I am really struggling to see how they're going to play No Way Home. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to yeah. see how they're going to make us like where they're going to be at with these characters yeah. if. I'm assuming, and I'm hoping, that they are the actual versions from the universe, as we know. Because they have some explaining to do. Mm
4: -hmm. I'm with you, too. Alfred Molina as Doc Ock is the only one where I'm like, I can see this guy being a main villain of this movie. All the others, in my head, I can only see his cameos. I can see CMM popping up for a random scene of, like, Peter Parker, Toby Maguire's Peter Parker talking to to Tobey, uh, or the other, Tom Holland's Peter Parker about like, oh yeah, there was a the guy in my universe that did this, this, and this and you get a scene with him or some shit. Mm-hmm. It is really tough for me to, to to envision a full movie where the Sinister Six is made up of villains from this Spider-Man universe because all of them are cartoon characters aside from Alfred Molina who's like a little bit of a cartoon character but at, at the very least I can see a down-to-earth version of that that is made for the MCU. The rest I have no idea.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know. I think I think I think the goblin can work because Willem Dafoe can work it. Willem Dafoe can change the style up. You know what I mean? They will mm-hmm. obviously do something with him. And if, once again, we're not saying that you should look at the leaks because you should live your life however you want. But the leaks are out there, and when you look at it, you can tell the it's there's a bit of this is a goblin that has survived. I think longer than the one we know and is a little worse for wear for it and so this might be a more down to earth version of it um the one that i'm going to have trouble with i think seeing is is Jamie Foxx's Electro which is going to be a little too cartoony i think for me if he shows up but once again Jamie Foxx is a great actor and they can change that up stylistically as well mm-hmm. um as far as these as far as these bad guys go from all three movies I still think the goblin is I still think the goblin is a strong villain. I really do. I know he's I know he's a little bit uh melodramatic, but I really love him. Uh but Alfred Molina is pitch perfect. Everybody from three can I dunno
3: turn into I had in Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, there you have it everyone. This has um, been Tim. another yes, go for it, plus I
0: know I know
4: in this podcast we do a lot of podcasts within a podcast. Yeah, I I, mean, I the one. new one.
1: Please. Go for it. I don't have a name bless.
4: for it. I just have the idea for it. I know usually for MCU and review, when we're not doing the rewatches, you guys do the whole ranking. And one of the things I've seen online are people asking for me and Anthony to rank the movie since we've actually not done our own rankings of the movie. So, like, what if we did a Blessing and Anthony Carboni ranking segment?
2: I have a good name for it. it. Maybe when we Andy could do a segment. If, or maybe when this is all over, we could just do our ranking.
4: Yeah, we could. We could do, as do as it at the, the maybe at, the, at the end of each, like, Trilogy, so like at the end of this one, and then at the end of Amazing Spider-Man, we do it.
2: Yeah, we go, go do for the, it. We now. could do I mean, the we
4: right do the real rankings ranking for
7: so
4: cool guys. Now,
2: anything do you want to do? A, are you doing joint ranking or or uh, separate?
4: It it you know, I separate. feel
2: I feel Never. like you and I are going to be hundred percent in lockstep on this, though, bless. I on think we're going to go. For sure. I think we're going to go two one three for this first yep. one. I'm right there with you. Yeah, two one three. Yeah. I thought I was I thought I was gonna like them in numeric order again, but um, Alfred Molina, man, Alfred Molina really makes two just an absolute pleasure and a joy. And I know we bagged on a lot of stuff about two during two, but I think it's just because we felt safe doing it because we know it's a gentle ribbing of a best friend. That's what we that's how yeah. we feel about two. Yeah, it makes him stronger. Yeah, I am
4: curious well, on where we're gonna like go them. from here. Like even my own personal rankings. It's been a while since I've seen the Amazing Spider-Man movies, and I remember oh, wow. liking the first one, and I remember not liking Amazing Spider-Man 2.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
4: I'm I, very excited to, to do it again and see, like, okay, is Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man 2 better than I give it credit for?
2: Looking um, into the future, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that, too. I remember enjoying a lot about the inter-character relationships in the first Amazing Spider-Man. I remember being very into the Gwen and Peter relationship, and I remember them kind of selling it, uh, and I remember disliking 2 a lot. So we'll mm. see where we go. Mm. <laughs> I'm excited to rewatch. watch just, just for
3: context, uh, when we first write these movies, we put Spider-Man 2 at number 1. We put Spider-Man, or er, so far, and then Spider-Man 1 at number 2. And then we did put Spider-Man 3 at number 6. It was the yep. first time in interview history that we just dropped it all the way down before Why even not? watching the other, other movies. So uh, we'll be back next week. It's going to be a lot of fun with Amazing Spider-Man. See how that does introduce little Andrew Garfield into our lives. Uh, but until next time. I love you all. Goodbye. What's up and welcome back to where it all began. That is right, Kind of Funny's MCU in Review, where we rank, recap, and review every single movie and TV show in the Marvel Studios, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes, and I'm joined by the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Good evening to you, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Of course, we have the big dog, Kevin Coelho. What's up, man? What is up, indeed? And the Nitro Rifle, Andy Cortez.
5: Great evening, Tim.
3: Thank you. Thank you. One-upping upping one up the most. Mm-hmm. That's what, it's what we do here. That's what we do here. Make quality <laughs> content, one-upping each other, left and right. <laughs> 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 like Look at this. Go for it's it, Nick. chocolate-covered cashew that I have in my hand.
1: Your You're oh, nuts?
0: you finally know at a heart. heart.
7: It looks like a heart.
0: Well, it's a cashew. This is not almonds, but I'll take it. It looks like rabbit poo-poo. It's weird, right? It kind of tastes like it, too. Mm-hmm. Bubbles, too. That's fine.
3: Uh, this is kind of funny. As in review, where each and every week, we rank, review, and recap two different movie franchises. This time, we are doing Eternals, but next week we are coming back with a Spider-Man 3 rewatch with the debut of a brand new intro that is hype as. Fuck, oh. I cannot wait for you all to see that. That is next week. And then following that up, we got Ghostbusters 2016. The week after that, we got Am- uh, The Amazing Spider-Man uh, and Ghostbusters Afterlife to close out Ghostbusters in review. And then the week after that is Thanksgiving week, where there will only be one in review, and that will be Amazing Spider-Man to Rewatch, continuing all of that. Of course, you can get the show on youtube.com slash funny or roosterteeth.com if you wanted to get it as a podcast just search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny in review and we'll be right there for you if you wanted to get the show ad free if you wanted to watch it live as it's being recorded and if you wanted to write your reviews in haiku form you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny just like our patreon producers molecule and the kind of funny destiny 2 pc clan have done today we're brought to you by arcane overland shin megami tensei 5 and Raycon, but I'll tell you all about that later. Let's get right into it. We're talking about Eternals, formerly known as The Eternals. They dropped the the, just like Fast and Furious did at some point. Uh, released November 5th, 2021, making it the 30th Marvel Studios project and the 26th film in the franchise truly incredible. A runtime of two hours and 37 minutes. It was directed by Chloe Zhao, a Chinese-born American filmmaker known primarily for her work on independent films. Her debut feature film Songs My Brothers Taught Me in 2015 premiered at the Sundance Film Festival to critical acclaim and earned a nomination for the Independent Spirit Award for Best First Feature. Her second feature film, The Writer, was critically acclaimed and received nominations for the Independent Spirit Award for Best Film and Best Director. And then she gained further success with last year's No Bad Land, which attracted international recognition and won many awards, including the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival, the People's Choice Award at the Toronto International Film Festival, and then both Best Picture and Best Director at the 2020 Academy Awards. Uh, she's the third Oscar winner to direct an MCU film after Joe Johnston for Captain America, the First Avenger, and Taika Waititi for Thor Ragnarok in 2017. The music was done by Ramin Jawadi, Who, do any of you know him? Mm
5: -mm. Negative.
3: Oh, Game of Thrones.
5: Oh, there's a lot of Game of
3: Thrones connections
0: in this movie. There is? It's almost too many.
3: It's almost too many. But uh, Robin's known for uh, Game of Thrones, for Westworld, and kind of a fun little thing that I didn't know until prepping for the show, he also did Iron Man 1. So going all the way back oh. to the beginning of the, the MCU, I like that uh, Iron Man 1 soundtrack. he originally popped into the, into the whole scene being a kind of understudy of one Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he worked with him on Pirates 1 soundtrack, which is really cool. And Batman Begins as well, Nick Scarpino. I heard they used to call him Mini-Hans.
5: Don't laugh. Let it sit. Let it sit. Don't laugh.
1: (laughs) 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 He wasn't even trying to be creative. He he (laughs) thought that (laughs) was so funny that he
7: (laughs) raised his hand. (laughs) His own
3: little video. I'm going to the chat. I'm going to go to the live chat right now and see if they thought that was funny. Uh, I know, I love you, Nick. Uh, This movie had a budget of $200 million, and since it literally just came out last night, we clearly don't have up-to-date box office numbers, but it is performing extremely well. Uh, It is at $9.5 million at the domestic box office alone, Uh, so that's just American numbers from just Thursday night previews. That marks the third-best preview night of the entire pandemic behind Black Widow and Venom, Let There Be Cartage, more than Shang-Chi, and ahead of the other pre-pandemic MCU November movies.
5: So doing really well so far. I think more of the news that surprised me is that I finally put it together that that's why the Westworld and Game of Thrones song sounds so similar. It's because it was the same composer. Yeah, this whole nice. time, I just thought like, man, that dude just ripped the other dude off. That sucks for that guy. Because <laughs> they both had, <laughs> and then they both had that same sort of trill. Mm-hmm. And now it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Dude, he's so good, man. I yeah. I love his work. And even in this movie,
3: uh, without getting too far into stuff, just talking about the score. It is an incredible score. I do think that it's not optimized for its use in the film itself. Like, I think that uh, just listening to the songs themselves are, are better than they're actually utilized in the movie for the most part, which was kind of a letdown for me. Because I expected, hearing all these names and all this talent together, I was expecting a little bit more from the score in the movie. But overall, I've been listening to it a lot. Of my, it, it's some damn good stuff. Uh, but enough about the score for now. Let's get into what we thought about this. Of course, since this is a brand-new release, we're going to do our spoiler-free thoughts at the at the top, and then we'll make it very clear, get into full spoilers, before getting into the plot and whatnot. Eddie Cortez, I want to start with you. I didn't get your thoughts last night when we walked out of the theater. What would you think?
5: This movie is a bit of missed potential for me. I, I think about halfway through the movie, I'm really digging it. Like, this is going to be a top-tier MCU movie, which, again, how do you even put it and rank it? Because we love a lot of these movies anyway. But I was really legitimately digging the hell out of it when it comes to action. And even the humor hit more than it missed for me, which I was not expecting. And I think after a lot of the reviews are coming over the weekend, I came in with some pretty low expectations. But about halfway through the movie, I'm going, God damn, this is a really good movie. Like, I'm enjoying Conceptually, this will be one of my favorite Marvel movies for sure. Just how they built out the world and the universe, um, the different characters they're dealing with, the action sequences I think are fucking really cool to watch, and it's something similar to Shang-Chi that we just haven't necessarily seen in an MCU movie before where it's kind of like Power Rangers, right? Everybody's got their cool, bing, 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 bam, bing, bam, boom. Everybody's doing all sorts of different things, and it's really visually interesting But near the end, I think it just got really messy, and it threw a lot of elements at the audience that I don't think landed like they could have. And I think that it feels like some parts were rushed to kind of just maybe keep it under the budget. How do we explain this way? Who cares? Have this and that happen. So I I think that there's there's a couple moments here at the end that I think were just really rushed, and it's... It sucks because this movie I feel is like kind of a mid-tier movie for me now. When it could have been so much higher if they would have stuck the landing throughout. Green I mean, Kowalo.
1: Uh,
7: I really, really liked it. I think that it's it's definitely not going to be for everyone. It, um, I really like the pacing of it, which is relatively slow. I think for most of it, I agree with Andy with some aspects of the ending. Specifically, there's one character that's like, oh, okay. That's an interesting way to to take what happens here at the end um yeah. but uh, like uh, other than that, I was blown away at how much I enjoyed the comedy aspect of it. I thought Kumail and uh his um valet were both excellent, just really funny uh, some of the powers are weird where it's like oh, that's very specific and like like kumail's powers we, we I'm sure everyone's seen from the trailers where he. Does finger gun. Finger
5: He's you finger blasting. Yeah.
7: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, so that's what that means, though. right, Andy?
5: Yeah, that's exactly what that means. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
7: but like, I was, uh, I kind of went in with no expectations, hoping that it would introduce, like, a really vast world to me. Like, uh, the, you know, the, the Eternals, we haven't seen these characters. The like, this story takes place over, um, uh, millennials. Yeah. Um, and I think that it delivered what I was expecting or hoping for. So I think I'm really, really pleased with this. And, yeah.
3: Nick Carpino.
0: Um I thought it was fine. I thought it was just fine. I think that they were trying to do something very different with this. I think Chloe Zhao was trying to do, uh, go for a kind of a Marvel's version of an epic, and in that I think she succeeded. But unfortunately, given only a couple hours, for me it was very difficult to, uh, to build all of those characters up in that time and have me care about them. And for the most part, I'd say that they succeeded. Um, but I think the humor kind of was hit or miss for me. It was a little bit out of place, especially since it was a very subdued tone for the most part, and I think it suffers from the same things a lot of the mid-tier Marvel movies suffer from, which is that they're just fighting these generic kind of squiggly lines for two hours straight, and by the time we get to any sort of a actually compelling antagonist, the movie kind of is over. Um, but having said that, I think this movie has some of the most beautiful visuals, uh, some of the most striking moments out of any Marvel movies. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later, but I think some of the, the stuff that they do in this was just very, like, stunningly well done. And in that regard, I think people should see this in theaters for sure. Um, but I think overall, I really liked, I really liked Jim and Chan. I really liked a lot of the cast members. I just think it's so difficult to utilize them all to their full potential in a movie that's this short when you've got 10 leads um and i think that i mean kumail i could watch kumail Nanjani do anything for two hours straight i think he's just the most delightfully charismatic person ever so i think he was able to bring some levity to it but i think some of the other comedy moments just didn't work for me um but overall i think it's a very it's fine it's a fine film
5: i wanted to point out really quick tim that uh nick mentioning what we hate when when these mcu and dc movies give you the who gives a shit enemies that are just fodder like i this was one of the first times i was like Wow, I actually like these enemies, and I like the little, I like the choreography that's sort of being brought to how they're being taken on and how they are fighting the actual Eternals. I thought it was really cool and visually. Again, like we walked away from Shang Chi, I walked away from Shang Chi going, that's some of the coolest action I've ever seen in a Marvel movie. Period. And I felt the same way here because it's just not what I'm used to seeing uh, with this sort of these different power sets. I'm going to say my thoughts on the the deviants themselves for for
3: spoiler stuff. But uh, uh, overall, in terms of the movie, like, I am very surprised at this movie in in almost every way, positive and negative. Uh, It is not what I expected it was going to be. And I think that it was engaging the entire way through. I agree with Kevin that, like, I thought it was very well-paced. I was never bored in this movie. And I think that they kind of used their runtime uh, to the best of their abilities to – do something that surprised me, which was make me really kind of involved with these characters dynamics, not having a favorite, not having a least favorite, just kind of enjoying that. I believed that they all had relationships with each other. And I think even over the course of now 30 movies, we know how Tony and Steve relate to each other. We don't necessarily know how Thor does with this guy or this guy or this guy. We can kind of assume, but like we don't get too many of those moments because there's so many side characters. I like that This movie I really kind of have an understanding of how every single Eternal would interact with the other Eternals because they did a good job of showing us over the course of so much time. And with the flashbacks, I think that every combination speaks to each other in the The archetypes, movie. yeah. And I'm like, it's kind of cool. We we rarely get that. I think that they did a good job dealing with the characters themselves and kind of backing up the the themes of you know the kind of like understanding what it means to be human or not human and love and loyalty and and things like that. Nick, what's up?
0: And I'll say, I mean, that was that was some a lot of the stuff that I actually liked about the movie. So I think I think it's actually. You know, as a story and as a character like study, I, I thought it was a cool concept. Then as, as we get into some of the spoiler-free stuff for the for the plot, I actually liked a lot of those elements too. It's just it's very it's interesting to me because when we got the action sequences, I was like, eh, it's a, it's fine. These are these are kind of generic. But when it when it got to more of a heightened level of tension because of some of the character dynamics later in the movie, I was like, this is where I'm actually really interested in this because you have a cast of phenomenal actors, and so of course they're going to give you something on screen. Um, so in that regard, I think it was a success.
3: Yeah, and uh, so it's funny, though, because leaving leaving this, it is definitely the most divisive, I think, a, a Marvel movie has ever been, and I don't necessarily mean that in the sense of, like, people think it's good or bad or this or that. It's, like, kind of every element. Like, we went with a very large group of people, like, almost 15 people, and everyone I talked to didn't have the same thoughts. Like, everyone was like, oh, I didn't like this person's acting, or I loved this person's acting. Like, all of it was kind of all over the place, and I think that that's kind of a cool thing that we don't normally get, like... It's usually, it kind of can feel like committee, a pretty cutter type of stuff, yeah. stuff. Whereas with this, it's like, oh, cool. It kind of like hit people differently. And I, I was surprised by that. Uh, but for me personally, I kind of left it and I had the same feeling I did leaving Age of Ultron where I was like, Okay, cool. Like, I'm happy I got that. But I don't have the same feelings I did leaving Avengers 1. I don't have the same feelings leaving Guardians yeah. even. And I was trying to put it into context in my mind of why I feel differently now, where for Age of Ultron, I was kind of bummed. Whereas this, I'm not bummed. I'm happy that I'm feeling this way. And it's because when Age of Ultron happened, there had been almost a year uh, since we had an MCU movie. And the last one we got was Guardians 1. Such a surprise. And our next movie coming up after Age of Ultron was Ant-Man, which all of us were kind of like, all right. Is this going to work and all that right, stuff's going bad? Like, we're kind of in a bad place. Whereas now, we just, we're coming off of Shang-Chi. This is just movie number three out of four this year on top of the TV shows, on top of knowing we're about to get Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Thor 4, Black Panther 2. So this kind of being in this place, it is anything but a disappointment to me. I think that it being as different and you kind of leaving being like, I feel like this is going to affect the MCU in 10 years a lot more than it does right now. And I'm okay with that because they taught me to understand these movies this way, this episodic kind of serial storytelling way. And I think that they really used their runtime well to tell an interesting story. I agree with Andy that, like, there's a lot of missed potential here. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm like, you definitely didn't nail it. And you tried to be ambitious, and the ambition showed, but why? Yeah. Who
5: cares? Yeah. What does do I, mean, this mean? I don't really know. And when I say missed potential, I mean the same missed potential I feel when I watch – a lot of the, the Mark Webb Spider-Man movies, where I'm like, God damn, mm. I love Andrew Garfield as to, as uh, Peter Parker. I love uh, Emma Watson. Emma, no, not Emma Watson. No, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Yeah, I love Emma Stone yeah, yeah. as uh, Gwen Stacy. I mean, we also uh, love Emma uh, Watson. Just yeah, absolutely, yeah, awesome. th- definitely. There's just awesome. a lot of missed opportunities that they could have hit, and they could, if they executed better, this would have been – I think Eternals would have been a really damn fucking good movie that everybody's walking out and saying, go see this goddamn movie. And it just it missed a little bit too much for it to sort of hit those highs. Well, it's interesting
0: because I feel like this movie is the least Marvel-feeling movie. I think that's kind of – everyone kind of walked out. My first thought was, wow, this does not feel like a Marvel movie. This feels like a different studio made this movie. But I think that's probably the, the, the worst part of it and also the best part of it. And so I think that's to Tim's point. I think time will tell because I don't give – I give them credit, and I give, I give the team kudos for stepping out of that Marvel mold and trying to make something a little bit different. And that's a risk, and I don't think it necessarily works right now. But I think it's kind of important because we're already sort of acclimating to different ways of telling these Marvel stories with what with, with Tim brought up, like the TV shows, stuff like that. So I think it's cool – to try something different, especially with these with these properties that like I know I personally don't have a stake in the Eternals. I had no idea what they were, and in fact, it took me the longest time to remember what the movie was called. I kept wanting to call it that one that was with the TV show with the big dog, um, but I, can't, I don't remember. Inhumans, that. inhumans, yeah. I kept calling it inhumans, and everyone was like, "Nah, that got canceled." So I mean, I think this is. I think it was. I think it's very interesting. I think it's going to be very, very interesting, like Tim said, to look back on this and be like, was this a turning point at
3: all? Yeah, and you know, one thing uh, to something you just said there about it being kind of an ensemble cast, like, I I did really dig the action. I thought that some of the the power sets were very well shown up. I think that the Deviants themselves, not so much. Um, And I, I wish that I saw the Eternals kind of facing off against pretty much anything else besides just these CGI monsters. But uh, in terms of, like, use, introducing us to these characters, their dynamics, and then their powers, I think that this is kind of the best we've ever seen uh, being introduced to this. And I'm not just talking on MCU. I'm talking about Justice League or the X-Men movies or all of this stuff. Like, I like how we saw them working as a team. And in multiple action scenes, like, they're together kind of, like, d- using their own skill sets in tandem with others, and that is something that we very rarely get in any of these movies to, to good effect, and uh, Makari's speed is, like, from the trailers, I, you talked about it, and it was like, we're expecting a lot. They totally delivered for me. I love that they used it in every single way. There wasn't an ounce of slow-mo used. We just saw her oh, being good. fast, and saving people, we saw her being fast. Fighting people, we saw her being fast, doing kind of both at the same time. I love that stuff, and there was a lot of characters that I didn't expect to like at all, that I really, really liked, like Druig, comes to mind. Um, Seeing him in the trailer, I was like, I know exactly what his story is going to be. And I was fucking wrong. I was extremely wrong. And I I think that that's very cool. I was genuinely genuinely surprised as somebody that frame-by-frames these trailers and watches them hundreds of times on what this movie actually delivered on. So with that, let's move on into full spoiler territory starting now. Who wants to lead? Put your hat on. Put your hat on.
0: Uh, I'll kick it off. Go for it. I think this movie got infinitely more interesting to me when they sort of, during kind of like going into the, the third act, when it started to be revealed about what was going on and like sort of the politics and the inner workings of the group. I thought that's where it started to get, for me, very interesting. Like I said before, then Finding the Deviants, the first time I was like, cool. But even midway through that opening scene where we start in like 5000 BC or whatever it is, I was like, I don't want to see a lot of this. And, unfortunately, we got a lot of it in the movie. It's like a lot of sequences that were very loud. And as creative as you could possibly be with them fighting, like, big spindly dogs, it wasn't until we started getting sort of that inkling that they had to fight Superman, pretty much, that I was like, this is what this movie should have done a lot earlier to me. It should have been them versus, um, uh, what's that? Hey, Chris. Icarus, thank you, because it is Mahawk. Like invincible, cool shit. To watch. Yeah. yeah, that's where I thought, oh, this is really cool, because they can't beat him, and they have to figure it out. And the inner workings of them having to figure out how to work together to stop the Celestial. I was like, that's awesome. The visuals there are awesome. I wish we could have got to that a little bit earlier, but they spent so much time having to kind of teach us who these characters were, and going back and forth between this relationship between uh, Demi Chan and uh, and Richard Madden, which I didn't like. Because I like Rob Stark, and I wanted them to get back to that, and I was like, I, I just, I know just it. backwards, right? Uh, no, John Snow. John Snow, excuse me, not Rob Stark. Yeah, I, I like her relationship with Kit Harrington. I was like, this is great. I love where we're we starting here, and then we don't get back to him the rest of the time. I was like, that's unfortunate because he could have also been the character that kind of explains a lot of the stuff that we we're seeing in the backstories, right? I was like, oh, he's going to be along for the ride, and we're not going to have to cut back and forth through all the time jumps, which. I think they wanted to do, but it really made the movie kind of feel slow for me. Get going back and forth to these eras, where I'm like, like I wanted in that regard, it to be more of a traditional Marvel mover. Where I'm like, let's speed it up here, guys. We don't need to, like, we don't really need to go into this lavish backstory with all these characters. And I know why they wanted to do that, and kudos to them for trying. But for me, I was just kind of. It started to feel like a little bit of a slog there toward the middle of it. When we, start, when we went back to South Dakota or North Dakota, I was like, all right, we're going through a lot of places. And then we get to, like, Brian Tyree uh, um, Henry's place and him and his husband and the kid. I'm like, this is what this movie needs more of. It needs more of this fun dynamic of us seeing what's at stake here for these Eternals who, for the most part, you don't really worry so much about because they are called Eternals, which means they live forever, and they're pretty yeah, super-powered. But-
7: they do. The movie starts and one of them dies, right?
0: So there's, I think there's I
7: mean,
0: the stake. Yeah, like
3: twenty thirty minutes into it, that's fair. Sure, but, yeah, but an did, is,
7: out of two I was and a half hours, genuinely
3: surprised by that, like yeah. her dying. I was like, didn't see that coming. Didn't see yep. the other deaths coming? Bro, they and can't I, I appreciate it. it. <laughs> and, well, I, <laughs> I
7: mean, thought
3: Angelina Jolie was gonna yeah. I thought they were gonna kill her off. She I was thought so
7: too. I actually really liked. She was amazing. I I really liked how they all had their individual problems that they were sorting out. Like yeah. Angelina Jolie in uh, what Gilgamesh, like she had like some form of Alzheimer's, right? And he was her caretaker, and it was like mad, mad what? Mad weary? Mad weary. I think is what they call it. Yeah, mad weary dog. Yeah.
5: Um,
7: but like, it was an interesting take on like issues, yeah. the mind yeah. having yeah. so much information to retain, well, and, and it like, collapses.
0: It played but, into the yes, fact so that they, they had, had their memory rewritten, rewritten, so yeah, like yeah, the yeah. hard drive started to fail after a while, which right. is pretty really cool. I, and I we,
7: love... we also have two of them having a relationship and, you know, keeping a secret from it and that causing the relationship to, to decay mm-hmm. and fall apart. And then we have, uh, what, Sprite? Sprite, I think, was the most interesting. Like, the moments that we had with her, uh, I think were really, really interesting because it's just, what a fucked up situation to be a child to stuck in a, in a child's body
0: the entire was, time. But it was weird though because that was one of the things that was kind of off for me because they kind of treated Sprite like a child to a degree and I was like you wouldn't that do was, that after 5,000
3: years yeah, <laughs> I know, think like that, the that person is just a small adult at this point.
0: I, I mean I, I think that
7: they very much in their mind that's the case but like as they would like pick on her that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it was just it's one of those things I mean first off Shout out to Kirsten Dunst who laid down the archetype for this character. Of course, Tim in Interview with a Vampire, where she's forever a child vampire, which is always a fascinating thing. You can live forever, but you're going to be looked at and treated like as a child forever. Um, Yeah, that stuff was all. All that stuff was was fairly interesting, but I just felt like it was a lot. It was just a lot to accomplish in a two-hour time period. And I and I honestly think that Chloe Zhao did the best job possible for, for something that dense. I think it was expertly done. It just, for me, started to drag a little bit. And I'm just more used to Marvel movies being a little bit more quippy and a little bit more action-oriented. I, I wanted more Brian uh, Tyree, uh, or Henry Ty- okay. Brian okay. Tyree Henry. Thank you. I get them along every time.
5: Fast I want Dose.
0: Fastos. I want more Kumail. I want more of that stuff.
3: And to be fair, I like... You liked, want more MCU. I want said. more MCU. I, I, I like... But, but, but the theater was the quiet. Until Kumail, and then all of a sudden it was an MCU movie right. again.
0: Um And I think – and, you know, I think – this is no disrespect to Richard Madden. I, I just didn't find his character particularly interesting, and I think the reason why – I think that was done by design. I think we were going to kind of for, foreshadow the heel turn a little bit, and so I think he was cold. But I just was like, I don't think he and Demi-chan had good chemistry Especially since that very first scene where she walks in into the classroom with uh, with Kit Harrington, man, I was like, I'm feeling sparks right now. I turned to Joe. Why, and why like, are these
5: the hottest teachers of all time? I was like, it's Oh true. my God, yeah.
0: I was like, These kids are just witnessing something phenomenal happen here. Nick, and by um, the way,
5: did you notice like from the nose up, a lot of similarities between? Well, that was that was night. a weird
0: thing too, Andy, because I kept yeah. thinking like I was like, Is that? Is yeah. Andy behind me, or is he in front of me? On three?
5: I saw it because you had your popcorn like real, like covering half of the screen. Well, no, like, what happened oh, was uh, I ditched <laughs> out.
0: You know the seats? I ditched out of the seat and a little barrier just. Oh out of right, room. and I, I was like, eh, Andy, Andy's, Andy's got like, one Andy. of these
5: days. is gonna come clean. It was Kid Harrington. Nick. No, well, go for it, Andy. I was gonna say talking about the characters, I, I think Druig, you mentioned earlier, Tim was a really cool character, and I loved seeing that arc, and I loved seeing the way everything played out. I, I never felt like it was a slog. I. I love that sort of quiet, introspective sort of filmmaking where it's, we're getting lines of dialogue that don't always have to be quips. And you, and I'm the quip guy. Thor Ragnarok's like my favorite MCU movie. And I really dug all of these moments with these characters where we are getting to know them and hearing their back and forth. Um, the flashbacks I had no problem with. I'm like, this is cool as shit. And I'm glad that we're going back to different periods and seeing how they're dealing with it and seeing how they're dealing with the evolution of mankind and – and how suddenly they are no longer just people holding out a job, they are human with morality and feelings of what we should should we intervene, or should we let everybody here at Thel get fucking destroyed? You know like this is genocide, and it's like I love all those sequences with the with the eternal, so um Druig definitely was one of my favorites, and i I liked a lot of our sort of quieter moments with our characters. And of course, yeah, Kumail just absolutely knocked it out of the park.
3: Definitely. See, what I really like,
5: what I what I really like about uh, all the characters in Kumail, in in
3: specifics, where I, I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me here, but I think that the movie did a really good job of having each character kind of have an arc, and there is this overall theme of what it means to be human, and and where the Eternals kind of fit into that. And We see it like a little bit on the head, like nail-in-the-head direct uh, in a lot of ways, but I like how they all kind of dealt with love, loyalty, and morality differently, and we see that with uh, Kumail's loyalty to Icarus, right? And him kind of being gone from the final fight, I I kind of like. Like, I, I feel like people are saying it's a plot hole, but I kind of see it more as, like, they're a united front, but they are all like kind of like coming in from a different place, and, like, Kumail has a human side to him now. He's been living as a human uh prolifically for, for generations, generations, right? Yeah. And, like, I like that that is Several completely humans. different than some of the other ones that kind of, like, hit out on a ranch or some other ones that, like, Sprite that wanted to be more forward but weren't allowed to. Like, I like that we got a lot of different kind of takes on it all, and yeah. the dynamics between them were complicated. It's not just like, oh, there's the, there's the ten Eternals turtles, and five of them lean good and five of them lean bad. All of them are complicated in in a bunch of ways that I thought was cool. And the biggest letdown for me real quick, like just because I want to make this point about the the deviants, is there was a turning point where it's like, oh, the deviants are sucking their powers, like uh, killing them. Uh, But then also they're gaining consciousness. And there's a moment in the movie where they gain consciousness. And it's like, holy shit, they're not the bad guys. Are you the bad guys? Is it, is it morally gray everywhere? That's exactly what it is. Holy shit, this is really cool and interesting. Marvel's at its best when we get these kind of bad guys that are sympathetic, and they just drop the ball and throw that all they out the window. It. And they literally have this, these moments of, oh, the deviants are sentient. They're not just these animals. And the whole predator, prey, all this stuff, like you built up this perfectly, but then they literally just end the movie with slaughtering these things. And it's like, ugh. Oh. We especially yeah. when That's they had the potential that right. I thought was lost. Yep. Yes. Set up that
0: one of the characters is gone, and they need six characters to do the. What do they call the mind meld or the fucking brainstorm. brainstorm? The brainstorm is what brainstorm. Brainstorm. <laughs> and I love it. And I was thinking, oh, my God, what a great way where they have to recruit this thing that was their enemy who was misunderstood and make peace with it and get him to be a part of that brain to, to kill the Titan. Because ultimately, they're after the same thing. They just want to survive. They don't want to be destroyed. They don't want to be used anymore by these Celestials. And then just have this kind of throwaway scene with him and, and uh, Angelina Jolie's character, who you know. I thought was going to have a much bigger role in, in the climax, and they just have this side fight over there. But I'll disagree with you in one regard is that I just – I was I understand why they did it. I was disappointed that the, in my opinion, the most fun character in the whole thing, Kumail, was just absent for the climax of the movie. That felt weird. It felt weird to have him not come back in and save the day. Not that you have to do that, but I just I missed Kumail. I was like, this would be funny. This needed a little bit of quips to like break the tension so it could get heightened again. And they just didn't have that.
7: Uh, one of the most like interesting dynamics that we see that is very it's very minor. But it's between Kumail and Sprite, like where they, they're friends. Like um, the the first time they, they get back together, she kind of gets mad at him. She's like, "Man, it sucks that you like ditched me a hundred some odd years ago." And it's so interesting that his response is essentially like, "Yeah, I got really tired of moving every five years. People notice that like kids don't grow, right?
5: Age, yeah.
7: Yeah. So I mean, so you imagine he can stay longer right. if, with." It's what, and it's it, what I was going to say is it's interesting the, the way that their their path diverged where he suddenly becomes famous and lives this life with you know that is uh, the family dynasty right the Hollywood like, oh, for of lifestyle yeah my great, yeah Bollywood uh, success Bollywood. and she continues to live this like moving every five year thing and it's just like uh, the dynamics of that are interesting and really cool. I
0: like a lot One of the but one of the things that I that, that kinda of popped for me for a second and it it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but I did wonder. I'm like, we aren't in the D C universe. Well, depending on what references they're gonna make, which we'll get into in a plot, which is weird. We're in the Marvel universe where secret identities are half and half here. Right? For the most part everyone knows who the Avengers are and like Thor is just Thor. Thor doesn't have a secret identity. So why don't the Eternals just be like we're the eternals. We're here, mm-hmm. right? Why wouldn't you just live your life? After five thousand years you'd think someone would be like, We can just be who we are. We Thor, the god of thunder is here and everyone and he's a celebrity. We can just be that person.
7: Well I think that they were still doing their job. Until this yeah, movie yeah. happens, they don't they they think they're here serving a purpose, right?
0: I thought they had so killed the, the last of the de- I thought they killed the last of the deviants and they were just waiting yeah, to go home.
7: They were waiting to be like relieved. So and Yeah, I so I why think not just be
0: like well, I mean, let's put it this well, way. Well, that was also guess 500 years ago. I guess That's the before. difference is 500 years ago they didn't give a shit that people knew they were gods. They were revered as gods. So at what point did they feel, hey, we have to start hiding from the public? Why? Why would that happen? When they just literally ascended from the sky on this giant monolithic obelisk thing – and they were, like, us as gods, and they don't, they don't care about hiding their power from anyone. I, Why would that be different from them in 5,000 years ago at, as opposed to now?
7: I, I do think in that, movies. like, it was just Babylonian times that they were, like, floating around and shit. Like, with the minds, they were coming in and saving the
0: day and then right. leaving. But my point is, like, that was when – I mean, that's before any of the Marvel stuff happened. Now we've got Iron Man, Spider-Man, uh, Vision, all these people. Why would they feel in any way, shape, or form that they need to hide from the general well, they, public? Because then people would want them
7: to help. And they're not supposed to change any of our history. No, I buy that. Okay, I buy yeah. that. Yeah. Tim,
3: yeah. I, I was about to say that mixed with uh, just – I think this movie really goes out of its way to let it be known that, like, they are assisting with technology because they're essentially breeding humans to feed the Celestials. Yeah. So it's like I think that they didn't they, they, hit that. A, they didn't know that. I know, yeah. but like I think that, like, when it comes to technology, when they, they show the scenes of them making the plow instead of the steam engine that early, it's like they were realizing that, oh, shit. I think they had a come-to-Jesus moment where they're like, we're already too involved. Like, we need to back off. And I think that's why they went back kind of into hiding as opposed to flipping the other way and being like, we can expose ourselves. Sorry. (laughs) I understand
0: what you mean. I guess I buy that. But I I I
7: I do think at the end their plan was to just be like, we're the Eternals and this is who we are. But well, yeah. Now naked. that they're
0: broken from the the you know the metaphorical yoke from the Celestials, they can do whatever right. they want. But right. But then the yeah.
7: what, what was the name? Azra comes and scoops, uh, the, scoops them Ari- up, and then
0: something. Aristotle. And
7: the other three. Arishan. Arishan.
0: Arishan, Arishan, Arishan. You're right.
3: Yeah.
7: Cool name. It's a cool name. But one cool thing that I
3: was too. a little let down with is I I really like Gemma Chan I really like Cersei like as a character and I thought her chemistry with Kit was great but I do think that her kind of being the leader character and like for, uh, like if there was a lead in this movie it would be her uh, there's not it definitely is the entire group but like she is the one the lead, uh, she's the leader spend the most amount of time with yeah her. I,
7: I think she she's the lead of this and,
3: right. and I I just feel like her being kind of the, the heart of the movie in the sense of, like, I think the theme of love and her loving humans and stuff is, like, kind of, like, a big central plot to this. Mm-hmm. And besides her legitimately being in love with Jon Snow, I didn't really get the vibe of she loves humanity.
6: They, and they I think they, they get, say, they say
3: it <laughs> <laughs> more than they actually showed yeah. her certain yeah. character loving humans and seeing hum- those beautiful things yeah. humans can do. Yeah. Yeah, they showed her dance, like, once with, <laughs> yeah, it, with and, people and in the group. That's the thing is, like, I, I, I think they're trying to get across. It's, it's, it's the missed opportunity of, like, oh, you were so close to this being something truly special. But, like, you you told us instead of showing us. And, like, I think they showed us a lot of really cool stuff. So, was like, it's weird where it's, I like, will, I, none of us are saying anything bad. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm curious I, to see where this ranks, too, when, 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 when we all
0: eventually rank it. Yeah, but one of, the I, things, sorry, Kevin, one of the things I was going to say, I do love her power in this. Um, I do love... That everyone else has these destructive powers, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but she does not have the power to destroy stuff. She, everything she does, she just kind of like turns to like rose. I mean, I guess she can destroy stuff depending on how you do it, but but she doesn't have lasers and like what Trans- you think is log- traditional yeah. weapons. She just has. She chooses to make everything like into something more beautiful or like different different life. And like, yeah, I just thought it was super cool. And, like, what are, a great character to have.
7: There are some that like what like sprite does, makes illusions right, and uh, so cool. Mm-hmm. And Druid can like.
0: Mind control people. Yeah, those, like, those are things was, that that felt kind of almost ominous, to a degree. Like like illusions are like subterfuge, and then him controlling people's minds has very negative connotations. Yeah,
7: yeah I, I can see how both right, can be taken very offensively, yeah. but I do think that those three powers all can be used for like creating stuff or defending.
0: Yeah. Sure. But I just I love that visual, and obviously they kind of spoiled it in the trailers, which is unfortunate. But the bus flipping over and she turns into so rose petals. I was like, that's it's just a very cool worried th- about the man, though. Me too. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me
3: too. <laughs> I was just you know, like there was a man on that yeah. bus. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I,
0: I like that, I, and I love how that builds into the end, right? I like that she had to be the one to do. I, I thought her character like, yeah.
3: was was interesting for sure. En- in whichever yeah. But I I'm enjoyed. With
0: you, Tim.
7: I enjoy the dynamics that she had with kid, uh, not kid Harry. Herring.
5: Robert, Richard Robert, yeah, yeah, Richard yeah. Madden, Richard Madden. Madden, Icarus. to call
7: him Icarus. Carter. I I like their relationship. I like that like they clearly still wanted to like have something, and that was that there was something that was stopping it. And then we find out that that he knows, and he knows how much she cares, and he thinks that it would throw everything off. I do think that like the weakest point of this movie is like the conclusion of like at the very end, where he's just kind of like, I love you, and that's I can't kill you. And then he's like, I'm going to fly into the fucking sun. And it's oh, like, man. really?
5: It's way too on. Like, Joey yeah,
7: When that happened, yeah.
0: Joey legitimately laughed. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey, I thought it was good symbolism. And here's but the it's thing. Here's the thing about symbolism. Like, That's just it,
5: straight up doing it. Very on the dose, yeah, it, it, has to hap- it has to happen but you got to know that when they're doing it, they're like, this isn't great. <laughs> like, Yeah, but this, I, I really... This isn't the best solution, and it's kind of cheesy, and we should be above doing something like this, but it kind of has to be the thing that happens
7: there. I just really wish that instead they had, like, he had paused for a moment thinking about it, and that at that moment she had realized that she needs... To save all the people, that, all of Earth, that she cares about so much, she has to... Turn him into something else, and like that, he accepts that like that'll happen. You know, like, the, the, to kill him essentially.
5: The movie really kind of lost me in the part that Tim mentions that he likes a lot, which when the deviants gain consciousness. Um, mm-hmm. I just not like a lot.
3: I, 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 it's not that There's I don't an like opportunity.
5: It. That was, yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a missed there. opportunity for sure, and I, um, I just think that. Conceptually, it throws this at the audience, and it doesn't really do anything with it except yeah, for
7: it totally having
5: audience. a sequence at the end, and and he the motherfucker pops up at the end in the final fight, and you're like, what do you? And even they had the same reaction, like, what are you doing here? Like, and as the viewer, I'm like, what <laughs> are you doing? Their <laughs> what are What's the goal here, right? Yeah, like, who are, you, are trying you trying to kill? Um... To
0: accomplish here. Sure.
5: Yeah, and I I love the idea of it, Tim. I love the idea that these animals are like. Look, dude, we're fucking both pawns to both of the, to this shit. Like you're just like us, and and it's such a cool idea, and uh, just such a, a squandered opportunity because I yeah. thought they could have done so much more with it. And we have that the sequence with Angelina Jolie in the cave, or it's like about to steal her power and she kills it, and that's supposed to be really dope, but it I don't it just kind of wasn't. Yeah. I, I don't know what was happening there. Well, well it, I'll tell you why because that fight uh, when you juxtapose that
0: with a Titan's hand coming out of the fucking Earth's core, I'm like, I care more about that than I do the second plane of action that's happening. But, not Titan, excuse me, it's Celestial's hand.
7: Yeah, but, I mean, I feel like those words could be used interchangeable. But uh, I, I do feel like, what a wa- what wasted potential with setting that all up? Because I, like, I did not Great. care about the, uh, the Deviants, but when they introduce this as a factor of, like, oh, it's getting smarter. Oh, it's, like, talking about its collective past and how they've all been murdered. It's, like, you know, I kind of want to hear what he's saying. Yeah. And then for him to just get sliced into five or six pieces.
0: He and didn't feel like, validating,
7: right? Yeah, no, not at all. And it just it's too bad that they, like, solely were, like, this is a red herring instead of doing something more yeah. with that.
0: I yeah. wish it, I wish it could have built into the end a little bit better. But I will say that the stuff where it started like, getting really interesting for me is when they started telling you what was going on. I love the visuals of the celestial. I talked to Tim earlier today, and I was like, the most striking thing I've ever seen in any MCU movie is the part where Selma Hayek, a little ball comes out of her chest, and she goes to she goes to communicate with uh, the the celestial for the first time, and she is the size of an ant, and all you can barely see is like a little bit of the celestial's okay. eyes. That image, I was like. That is why they made this movie and that is super cool. And that for any other reason is why everyone should see it on the biggest screen possible because it was so cool. I love that they're impregnating planets with future celestials. And then I like the concept of the conflict of being like, Well, these celestial even though I don't think that cool was, sci-fi story, was a cool ass sci fi story, man. It a cool story but but to Tim's earlier point about how like them loving Earth didn't quite come through, I never quite like cared about that conflict between um, uh, Rob Stark and the rest of them, where he was like, wait, if we, if we let this thing be born, it'll cause the life of other billions versus, but yeah, but you're killing billions to make billions. That, to me, I was like, "I'm not. this is not quite hitting the way it should, same even though here, it's a really next. cool concept. But I'm just like, I don't know. It's, and for some reason, I'm like, I just don't care about uh, either I of
5: these things. Like, I felt you know? the same way, because it's like you're you're pitting people that exist against Potential things that don't exist yet, right? And I just don't like it's. I guess when like it kind of seems like it was like ninety ten, right? Like <laughs> I kind
0: of see you know, Rob Stark's ten percent, but like the you other know, ninety ten, I'm like
5: there's like six billion people on this planet that we're. Gonna I mean, you got to put yourself in their minds in their mindset that that is their job. Their job is to have galaxies or, and worlds sure, pro- 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 proliferate, and then eventually give birth to these newer Eternals or newer um, Celestials. But, like, the fact that they'd be like, you know, if we if we stop this, we're going to stop other planets full of people that can grow. And it's like, oh, like I don't – you're not showing me the conflict there right. enough. You're not making but, me feel like, wow, this is a really tough choice right now. Well, it's think, also kind of yeah, – go ahead, guess.
0: I was going to say the biggest
7: issue there is, like, I don't understand how. Like, the Celestials create sun. Suns. But are all of the suns impregnated or some of the suns impregnated? Or the Earth – well, I guess no, the stars aren't impregnated. They create they, suns the, to suns create life
0: on the other planets.
7: So that they can impregnate the planets.
0: To make they. more celestials. That's how they reproduce. But the idea I think that I got, and tell me if I'm wrong, Tim, is that the celestials make are the only things that can make stars. And the stars are what other planets – like what allows other planets to spur life. And then they choose some of those planets and they impregnate the planets to
3: make more celestials. That, to keep that's the what I biological. read from it. That's what I read from it. And, like, the, the thing is with this is it's complicated because, like, a lot of people do in breakdowns versus the comics versus this. And, like, in trish, traditional MCU fashion, like, things are different. It is, is kind a, of a greatest yeah, hits mixed with, like, modern storytelling that is most of the time the right call. So, yeah, I think you're right, Nick, that that, that is what right. they were trying to get across in, in this one. I want to get to the plot. Uh, but before we get to the plot real oh, quick, the God. last things, spoiler conversation that I want to talk <laughs> about um, is, obviously, the post-credit scenes. That is what a lot of people are. are, I am sure that people are going to be shocked that we just talked for 40 minutes without even bringing up the post-credit scenes, because every other conversation like this is going to talk about them before they talk about the fucking movie. And I think that that's a testament to these four guys right here. We have Mm -hmm. shit to say, my friend. Uh, But here we are, post-credit Harry Style fanboys.
7: (laughs) So so the post-credit scene, like, hey, we made a fuck. What's his name? Thanos. We made him a celestial. Look at that. There you go. Did like, they did? they yeah, no, they didn't. Yeah, the the, the oh, Starfox at, at all. Starfox, is thinking like, Eternal, and yeah, an Eternal. You're right. I meant an Eternal, or Eternal.
5: Or oh, Eternal. So he's go. he's Star Fox is his brother, right? Yeah, yeah. Which Terror, is cool. Is Which is
7: one of the things where I was like, I hope they do that.
3: Yeah, not celestial, not deviant.
7: You're right. You're right. I misspoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but again, <laughs> quick. but in the comics. Deviant is a very different thing, where they are Eternals that are born with,
3: like, a genetic mutation. A Deviant right? gene, yes. Yes, the, the that, gene In the comics, uh, and this, they, they went out of their way to not say that about Thanos, yep. which is interesting. And I think Ooh. that in, in the MCU, he's not a Deviant. So, that's, like, so far, at least. How um, about that
5: Patton off on CGI? Oh, my God. God that oh, that's was a rough. lot.
0: That's
3: a lot. That was
5: rough. I was like, oh, cool.
0: and I hear that
5: he <laughs> was like, wow, spider Man climbing up that wall real hard. In it was one. so bad. That Not was good. like a comically bad CGI character that introduced Harry Styles in that sequence. And I felt like all of it Dude. was awful in that sequence only because of the way it was introduced. It felt like a joke. It was really bad. I don't know really who Harry Styles is other than I know
0: he was a boy band with really good hair. So when he showed up, I was like... I don't, I don't get it. It was like a big reveal moment, and I was like, I don't get it. And I was like, oh, he's going to be like Adam Warlock or another character that I'm supposed to know. He's like, I'm Star Fox. And I was like, do I ask him if this is the video game of Star Fox? <laughs> I was so confused. And then, and then Joey was like, that's Harry Styles. And I was like, oh, that's why, everyone, that's why it's supposed to be a hype moment. I did not the, understand
5: the hype at all. That's the thing that somebody from Variety spoiled – in the premiere week, Nick. Yeah. And right. everybody was pissed off, like, why would you do this <laughs> on such a public uh, platform? Yeah. Um, interesting moment. What was the mid-credit scene? Well, sorry, just. Oh, that it was uh, Kit Harington with
0: the.
3: Arc yeah. Arc- yeah, sticking <laughs> on the the other one for real quick. I'm just really happy that we're at a point again with the MCU where I watch post-credit scenes and I'm like, holy shit, I don't know exactly what this is leading into. Yeah. And like, it's been a long time since that's been the case. Like, there were early days where like things would happen and be like, huh. I wonder where we're going to see that again. Oh, that's Thor. For a while, it hit a point where it's like, okay, cool. This is clearly just for this movie. This is clearly just for this. I liked it the last couple movies. It's like, what are they doing with this? And uh, one of my friends that that watched the movie with us, Danny, he was like, So are these things related – are the bracelets in this movie related to the Ten Rings at all? And I was like, fuck, that's actually a really good point that, like, I didn't think about because in the post-credits of of Shang-Chi, they were, like, looking at it like, yeah, it's calling out to someone. Are they calling out to these turtles? Like – are these things connected? I, I just love that there's <laughs> theories, you know? It's, like, there's there's questions, and, like, it's not like you can just read a comic and, and answer things. Like, they're building kind of this new lore based on what they have. Uh, it is interesting seeing Pip the Troll where, like, I'm very unfamiliar with him as a character, but I was talking to Nick about this last night. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the first thing you see when you read the Infinity Gauntlet comic that Infinity War is based mm-hmm. on, like, He's kind of, like, the beginning moments of it because he's kind of Adam Warlock's, like, boy uh, in in a lot of ways. But he's also connected to Star Fox. So it's interesting. We know that Adam Warlock's about to be in Guardians 3. He just got cast. So, like, things are kind of starting to brew in a way that is really interesting there. Um, But, yeah, I I don't know because where the fuck are we going to see Harry Styles again? Like – and the remaining Eternals on this ship, like, I think it's really interesting where they left this, where the scene itself, not necessarily the most hype, exciting thing for people like us, because we don't care about Harry Styles in the way that I am sure millions of people out there are going to lose their shit seeing that
5: scene. Yeah. Uh, but Nick, I thought it was kind of cool. Nick, he was in Dunkirk. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He was good in Dunkirk, actually. Yeah. Not 1917.
7: Uh, Damn it. That kid all right. can that do it sense. all.
0: It's know Mike. Mike joined this about a half hour ago, and I'm curious to see what he went, wanted to say. Mike, if you're here, he what's going anything. on? Harry <laughs> fucking Styles. Y'all, is massive.
1: <laughs> massive. I love it. I love
5: it. The uh, The post-credit sequence, however, mm-hmm. is the one that last night, I think we all have the same question. Whose voice was that? And clearly, well, let me and, tell and you, also, let me tell you, because I have a fun fact here, Andy. Well, I wanted to say before that, the whole time it's going on, the whole time the movie's going, we get to the end, I go, I thought John Snow was the Black Knight guy. I thought that was announced that mm-hmm. he was going to be the Black Knight mm-hmm. in this movie. And he didn't do a whole lot of anything. And then the ending sequences kind of go, ah, uh, okay, I see what they're doing. Dude, he wore the shit out of that scarf, though, when he was looking Locked for Jim it, Like, Where's she shit shit where'd she I go? Where'd she go? I got a yeah, scarf on. beautiful scarf
3: so they, they built him up, obviously, and they built up his uncle as a character who in the comics uh, is Nathan Garrett, who's one of the ancestors of the Knight of the Round Table. The ebony blade has this terrible curse, Death is my reward, we saw some stuff there. Now some of you might know this, but I don't think Nick does, so I'm very excited to to say it. Last night we watched this, there was a voice that kinda calls out the the blade is calling to Jon Snow and he's like, kind of listening to it. But then a voice off screen calls out to him, and we're like, who the fuck is that? And we had a big group outside talking like, who the fuck is it? Who could it be? Whatever. Eric Goldman, IG, formerly of IGN, now of Fandom. Eric Goldman, we had him on kind of funny the podcast recently. The man with the master plan, <laughs> exactly. Uh, he spoke to director Chloe Zhao about Eternals and confirmed who the voice was. She says that voice was the voice of one of my favorite superheroes. Mr. Blade himself. Shut Blade, up. Blade, 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 yeah. Was it Mahershala Ali? It was yep. Mahershala Shut Ali. Let's go, baby. I don't, wild. Wild. I don't know.
0: I, I don't know, and I don't care why that fits in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so, pissed off they didn't have a scene together now, because I fucking
3: so, so jealous of The name. day locker, Nick. The now, day
5: locker. So All go. of
3: our powers, none of our weaknesses, Andy. The yeah, theory with this is we know a Blade movie is coming. That was announced in, in 2019 at Comic-Con. But we also know that next year we're getting a Moon Knight show. Mm-hmm. And all the rumors yeah. are saying that Mahershala Ali's Blade is going to be in that. I would not be surprised if we see Kit Harington as the Black Knight in Moon Knight as well. And they start building out uh, potential Midnight sun state. Not it's I can't fucking wait, cool. Yeah. I can't the I'm into it. I, can't wait I thought, to be and you
0: know, shout out to Kit Harrington for just chewing up, loving this role, having a great time with it. I will say, like I mentioned at the beginning, and we'll we'll get into the plot real quick, but the back and forth between them when he's like, "Are you like?" Because he, he knows something's up with her. He's like, "Are you a wizard?" You know, like Doctor so Strange. Funny. I just love that he can say that, and you're like, "Yeah, I buy that. I buy that line of something someone would say. I, And, and then, I, I, of course, still wine moving with her at the end was great.
7: Well, and then the deviant attacks, and what we we hear him yell like, "I thought you killed all of those!" to Sprite, yeah. and Sprite's like, "Wait, you believe that?" And He was like, <laughs> "I do now."
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And before we get to that plot, let me tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by MeUndies. Are you ready for mashed potato season, aka turkey with gravy and cranberry sauce season, aka every kind of pie and more season? Well. Mieri's is here with the softest and stretchiest undies in the game so you can be ready for second and thirds, baby. I love me undies. I have for a very long time, even right now. Of course, I'm wearing my lounge pants, the undies themselves, and the socks. I love having that soft micro modal fabric all over my body. They have undies and loungewear made out of soft, breathable, stretchy fabrics that are perfect for everything from pre-dinner activities to post-dinner naps. Uh, undies also has a great deal for you guys. Uh, for any first-time purchasers, you can get 15% off and free shipping. undies also has a promise. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason you can return your order for a full refund within 45 days to get 15% off your first order free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee go to meundees.com/morning that's meundees.com/morning and next up shout out to trade are you the kind of person who falls asleep already thinking about the next morning's coffee well Trade's goal is to make every cup of coffee your best ever. The journey to your perfect cup starts with taking their coffee quiz. You use a French press, automatic drip, you're a cold brew person? No problem. Trade will match you to coffees you'll love from 400-plus craft coffees, and we'll send you a freshly roasted bag as often as you'd like. Trade guarantees you'll love your first match. On the chance that you don't, though, they'll replace it with a different bag for free. Me and Cool Great had a lot of fun going through the quiz, trying to find him his perfect coffee, and he has been having a great time with Trade. Uh, for you guys out there, right now, Trade is offering your first bag free, and $5 off your bundle at checkout. To get yours, just go to to drinktrade.com dot slash kinda funny and use promo code kinda funny. Take the quiz to start your journey to the perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com slash kinda funny. Promo code kinda funny for your first bag free and five dollars off of your bundle. That's D R I N K T R A D E dot com slash Kinda of funny. And next up, shout out to Uncommon Goods. If you're on a mission to be the best gift giver ever this season, it's never too early to start working, no matter who you're shopping for. Uncommon Goods is the place to find remarkable and truly original gifts for anyone. Me and Gia actually recently just did a puzzle that we got from them. That was a lot of fun just for some like bonding date night time. And there's actually a bunch of really cool date night options there. Uh, there was one thing that I was looking at that is a date night painting where you get this uh, you get the package and you actually get a ninety minute uh, session with an instructor. You guys get to paint together. It's a whole thing. It sounds like a blast. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often hand made. They have the most meaningful, out of the ordinary gifts anywhere. And with every purchase you make, Uncommon Goods gives one dollar back to a nonprofit partner of your choice. That's awesome. To get fifteen percent off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com/kindoffunny. That's uncommongoods.com/kindoffunny for fifteen percent off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommongoods.com slash kind of funny. Cool.
1: It's time for the plot. Tim says it's time for the plot.
5: What a cool Pink Floyd. Like, I was not expecting to hear Pink Floyd there, everybody. That was like (laughs) cool as shit. I was expecting some sort of remixed version, bullshit version. No, we got the straight up Pink Floyd song. That was cool. So, go ahead, Nick. Sorry.
0: I just want everyone to know, Mike texted me about two minutes ago and said, in all caps, Harry fucking Styles, massive. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Eternals. Not the Eternals, <laughs> just Eternals. Eternals. It's five. I'm going off the Wikipedia, by the way, because I didn't have a chance to watch this again and type it all up. As you all know, it just came out yesterday. So it's going to be a slightly abbreviated plot,
3: but, but it's it starts with the title crawl. And I got to let all y'all know. I hated the it. moment this started, I was like, Oh, movie. no, the reviews were right. Yeah. yeah. Oh! Not a good song. <laughs> yeah. It was not good. It was not
0: good. Um, I think, unfortunately, it I liked was it. Needed, <laughs> though. I don't
3: it know. Like, again, I was
5: just just I, give us a little voiceover. Again. No, but like an
0: animatic.
3: An animatic.
5: sound in the back with boring font. I
7: dug it, and I feel like it set the tone. I immediately thought, Man, fuck, Dune really needed this. Oh Dune definitely needed it. Yeah. Dune was
0: like this. Fuck y'all. Either you get this or you don't. We got yeah. we got part two, greenlit, no matter what. Denis Villeneuve learned from Blade Runner forty and nine. He was like, get him to commit to the sequel before the movie comes out. <laughs> uh, I'll tell
5: it's, you the I'll say the biggest problem with the it, Tim, not only the font, but they went with the justified paragraph love shaping thing. Mm-hmm. Just like they do in Star Wars. It's I like hate it, Kevin, because there's the way too much space in, space. in between that comma yeah. and that word. Like, what are we doing here? we got to fix this. Let's make – just even them all up. Even up all the spaces where you can't notice. I don't want, like, seven uh, terrible kerning. Uh,
0: I will say, though, I, I dug the soundtrack over the Marvel Studios logo. Did we talk Fuck about that? Yeah.
3: This was my least favorite Marvel Studios intro in a long was, time.
0: I was, I think it was their way of saying, hey,
3: we're doing something different here. Gonna and guess do what? right now, guys?
5: It's oh, still, you did Oh, dude, dead. I love Pink Floyd. I thought it was fucking dope. No, I love Pink
3: Floyd. I love it. No. I just feel like the the way that it didn't hit. It never hit. It kind of. It was just this vibe. It's like, and that's what the movie is. But like, that's yeah, the whole movie,
0: Tim. The whole movie just yeah. is that
3: vibe.
5: Really? Because uh, I kind of sat back. and I was like, all oh, right, this is sick as shit. <laughs> I really dug it. I was, I was, I'm very happy <laughs> that it, it
3: hit you and other people that way. I'm sure. But for me, be, I was a little like,
5: ah.
0: Anyway, it's 10,000 BC. 10. Superpowered Eternals uh, from the planet Olympia are sent by the celestial Erisim to Earth. Uh, this is where we get the first scene where they're kind of ascending in that cool-ass ship. Um, and they put Ojo. their armor on.
3: Doga? Doga? Doga. 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 Domo. 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 Domo.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh arregato. Of course, they are sent there, uh, and they, they put their cool outfits on, which I'm like, are these things armored, or are they soft material? Because I can't tell. But They're st- stunning, though. I Sucking think the shoulder blades stunning. were, like, armored and, like, plastic. Yeah. And then the material itself was good. But it was so well done that cool. I was just, I'm like, this is how they should make these costumes from now on. And everyone sure. looks great in
3: them. I, I loved it. it. Cool. I absolutely love the costume design and the the vibrancy of the colors, especially when the palette of this movie is pretty muted for the most part. Like, because it's mm-hmm. so kind of real cinematography, like, real world lighting and all that stuff. These costumes look so nice and so Professional and high quality. Like I loved it. It's kind of the opposite of watching like the Cowboy Bebop trailers and stuff. Like yeah. this ain't cosplay. Like this no, is, is otherworldly. This is. Other this is and the I, I love their use of is. colors. I, I love the use of the, the colors for character. I love the Power Ranger vibes and all that stuff. Again, he oh was talking about earlier. Too. But my favorite thing is when uh, Kingo, uh, Camille's character, was wearing the wrong color, and I was like this is fucking wrong. Like, what, what the fuck is this? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. This is like a movie about... No, life." And I'm like, yeah. this Dude, is so dope. And there's uh, a suit-up scene in this movie where I was like, I didn't expect it. I did not expect a suit-up scene where they put the bracelets on, they all get in their suits, and the fucking it's, score hits with it. I'm like, thank you, guys. That was awesome. It's type
5: of shit. I've always, like, as a kid, I loved the red fire dude and the yellow lightning girl and the, like Captain all that Planet shit. Man. It's always I, Captain Planet. I've just always been like, I don't care what IP it is. I'm going to love that shit. So Both to see times. it in the Marvel movie and to see it done this well. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. The costumes look fucking awesome. Uh, look I'll great. give a shout out to, to the
0: weaponry and the powers and that art style.
5: Specifically okay. with,
0: with Fina's blades and how it sort of is weirdly reminiscent of Dr. Strange's powers. But, like, it's like different they're, woods. they're coming out and they're glistening out. But she's, like, like I, her specifically because she – it was very well done and never really called out. But her weapons change constantly depending yeah. on now, what she I needs. think she only Sometimes, had three weapons. Was it a shield? She had a shield, had a, dagger, a dagger, a sword, and then, like, the, the spear, right?
7: I, I don't think she has a sword. I think it's always a spear.
0: Is it always a spear?
7: I think the spear grows an axe, like a little axe, not, oh, like, a full-blown cool. axe. Either yeah.
0: way, it was cool that's that she cool. was, like – Instead of pulling out more, she was just, like, the shield would turn... it Like, the, something would turn into the shield, and then it would come back to the other thing. And it was never, like, expressly, yeah. like, hey, look how cool this is. Because
5: they were like, please fucking it now. We, yeah. Because it was I, a little dagger type of device, and then it turned into a shield that protected her. At one point, though, it was, like, a half-blade thing. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah round, like, a little rounder
0: yeah, thing. that the then round, she went like yeah. this, and it turned into a brass shield. shield, like, yeah. I was like, that's super creative. And it, I, and it feels like it belongs in this universe, which
7: is cool. It's think, creative, yeah. and it's cool, but as a power... That's pretty, like, that's kind of lame. It was like, well, this, this guy can of shoot, shoot out <laughs> of his fingers, and this girl, she makes a shield and a spear. Well, like, awesome. I mean, I warriors, it, it, it's good, huh? The
5: warrior. Not, yeah, and she's not only doing that, she's also, like, the fucking most deadly person in the universe. Like... She uses those because she is a fighter. She's a straight-up warrior. Her no, get, skills I, and her combat that, abilities saying, supplement that, those weapons. That was her power? Like, the being a warrior? Or was that who she was? She had great hair, too. And that's why well, That's very powerful. Yeah, very in powerful. the same way that, like, Sprite can't go out there and just use weapons and fight like her. Like... She's just really damn good at fighting and I, it shit. It does yeah. beg the
0: question, why not just make five Icaruses and send them? Mm-hmm. Why do you need to have a team? Like, well. Because this is no disrespect to Kumail's character, but the finger guns didn't seem like they were getting the job no, done, they're really. <laughs> they're But not a – like, then you see Icarus but, fucking yeah, melting yeah, people's faces with, a, with, with
5: Superman's laser eyes, and then I you know. see, like
0: – You know, like I've
5: always said this, like, just like when they say, make the whole plan out of the black box. Tony Stark, why don't you just give everybody Iron Man suits? Everybody will be unbeatable. Exactly. I, yeah, I don't so know why you don't do it. Give Captain Rogers like, an Iron Man suit. Yeah.
7: I, like, I like them all having a unique purpose when it comes well, to doing mind control, know, uh, the... Um, the I have it right Cersei, here, Kevin. Cersei's it's, uh, changing stuff. Oh, my Like, those Ajax all seem... Ajax heals her own team, which right. makes great sense for a leader. It seems like a bunch of them are, like, they have a purpose, and we see it when... Uh, Sprite is doing the like, storytelling because it's developing humanity and giving them something to strive for. And then it's, uh, was it Fantas? Fantas? Uh, Fastos. Fastos is, is helping them develop he technology. Machines. Yeah, all of that makes
5: sense, but then we have like finger guns. <laughs> yeah. And like finger guns are super strong. Finger guns is like Hadouken. and command man you know I, I know
0: you guys were talking speaking uh very positively about kumail being like the sort of mvp of this but i feel like it was uh gilgamesh i thought that guy i, I don't i'm not familiar with this actor don lee but don lee, so he God, fucking is
3: great is, he was american brilliant. debut uh in, in movies i was reading um uh, Ma Ma Dong-seok is his name, and he's a Korean-American actor that is huge over there. Dude. Uh, he was in Train to Busan and a bunch of other leading oh, roles. Oh, Okay. I need to watch Major that, big but... deal. Uh, but, yeah, know, this, this is kind of like a, a move over into the, American. The movie. power punch. That
0: shit. No, it wasn't it's even cool. that, Andy. It's the fucking, like, stomp. When he, like, nails the, the
3: deviant's head into the ground, it's like, ba. bah. bah, bah. And, and that the theater so cool. rumbled. Yeah. yeah, that was very
0: well done.
3: <laughs> I love uh, the, the, like, what they saw about the glyphs and, like, kind of, like, the, the, the just design of the Eternals is so fucking cool. And, like, we've seen this so much in the MCU, and they just knock it out of the part every, t- every time nowadays with, like, every kind of new world mystic element being added, having its own vibe. I love that, like, we get throwback moments, though, of, like, it kind of looks like an Infinity Gauntlet on... Gilgamesh's hand as he's, pump, like, uh, beating things. I'm like, obviously that's on purpose. Like, we know the iconography of that. But to see it in the Eternal style, I just love that. I love it. It builds the world out, like, from what we saw in Infinity War of them going to Nidavellir and having the, the um, dwarves kind of make the, the, the different weaponry and all that, so armory and all that shit. Like, it's just cool that there is this universe that exists, like, including the Celestials that last time we saw in a movie – well, it's nowhere. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. It is a pla like, the skull of one of these celestials is a location that we see. It's so, it's so always, cool. It's always, it's always it's been this such
5: far-out concept, and now that it's very much here, it's it's so badass to actually see it in action. And when when it grows out of the planet at the end and it's trying to come out, like, that is some of the coolest imagery. That is, like, I want concept art of seeing the giant head. Frozen, dude. like, in ice kind of at the end. And it reminds me of Hyper-Live Drifter. Oh, Great oh, game. Check it out, everybody.
3: Or Transformers. I can't
5: last even the remember universe. the name of the last one. No, <laughs> no. Last
0: King. King. Last, last, night. Night. last, last night. night. Last night. night. Last yeah, night yeah. yeah. When Unicron was pretty coming strong. out of the planet. The fucking garbage. Oh, dude, no. The, I'm sorry. Like, I, I mentioned the visual, but the, the visual of uh, RSM at the oh, end yeah. where, where it parts the clouds, and he was just standing there like, yo, what the Fuck, did you guys do? <laughs> so cool. For, for me, for I me left you guys at he, home in my house to house fit for fucking 5,000 years, and this is the shit. I just, took like, a nap
5: and woke up to all these calls and texts. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> for, for me, it was like when it shot
7: to him, like when he after they like, kidnaps them, and yeah. they're, he's floating in space, and they are a speck, and he yeah. is yeah. just enormous. God, is the scale thing. was so good. The
0: scale And then, then he so like well black holes around. out. I like how he yeah. goes around. It I love how we did it. Anyway, I uh, will continue <laughs> with the plot. Obviously, they land. Uh, a deviant kills uh, this kid's dad, and then the Eternals show up, and they save the day, and Gemma Chan gives them a little dagger, and the kid's like, why didn't you save my dad? And she's like, listen, there's nothing I'm going to say him.
5: going to You all calling Kumail lame with the finger guns, like, it well, is so well, I just so think bad it's a lame, to it's a lame guy, power is all <laughs> to so You do look that badass and walking up and going like charging it up it's so fucking sick dude it's not that it's not
0: cool Andy it's just that he shot one of the deviants and the deviant's like ow and then Rob Stark came and fucking lays the thing's head off and you're like it's order of magnitude how how much lamer it was than laser eyes nothing's cooler than laser eyes can we get that right now Kevin can I get a ruling on that finger guns or laser eyes laser eyes for sure thank you Uh, Kevin is the final word if he
7: had laser fingers we might have an argument then, oh, that would be fucking cool.
0: Laser eyes, you shoot two parallel. You're going to shoot those yeah.
7: together, right? Never
5: can, you can't ever deviate. You can't, are laser. you can't do like the Matrix kind of... Right? You can't... All around. You can't either yeah. around you, you circle, circle, mm. circle. I want to say Ric- Richard Madden, though, at the end, like, let, I mean, let's talk about somebody who comes through in the clutch, because we have that sequence in the rainforest, Nick, where the deviants are attacking all the people... And Richard Madden comes down, and he's like, almost dies, and he's laser-eyeing everybody. Mm -hmm. And then the Deviant that evolved runs away, and this motherfucker cannot hit him. Like, Richard Madden is missing—Icarus is missing every laser-eye shot on the Deviant that's just kind of running away. He was
0: concussed, and— He's
5: fucking missing his shot like a loser, and at the end, he's able to hit Makari, the speed lady— like as she's speeding around and he's able to hit her there like that guy comes in the clutch that's like a primetime player
0: you're just PPC. you know what you're just too on the side of finger guns but we're going to keep going because we're still yes that's right ladies and gentlemen in the first scene of this <laughs> movie uh she gives the kid the dagger and you're thinking this dagger is going to be very important later in life and then we cut over to london at some point uh and she's taking a picture of the dagger It's modern times we're going to jump back and forth modern times You're like oh this dagger this is the second time we've seen this dagger this is going to be super super important and then her alarm goes off she goes, Oh no, I'm late. Now, I love the Eternals. They're super advanced beings, but clearly they don't understand what an alarm's for. An alarm isn't to tell you that you're late to an appointment, it's to tell you an hour before you're supposed to leave for the appointment. But I digress. They she became was, too human. I
7: I thought it was absolutely, absolutely crazy. What was, was she late for? Her class.
0: Her own of class. Like, of like small graders. children at the like, National History Museum or something
7: like that. It, it, like, you were supposed to be there. Yeah,
0: there were a I'll bunch of down. people waiting on you. This is terrible. I'll let him down. Terrible. Um, she, it doesn't matter though because guess what? Guess who stepped in for her? Uh, substitute teacher, John Snow. Five
5: foot eight, kid Harrington
0: King. And I'll tell you what, right now, our five foot eight King, I thought he knew nothing, but it turns out he knows a lot yeah. about philosophy. Uh. And she's like, you. Uh, this is a class about his, like, like historical artifacts. A weird, and stuff like that. weird poem. He was reading these kids, and he's reading a poem. And let me tell you, though, dude. Those people in the class were eating it up. And then, of course, very quickly we realized these two have a relationship. And I think it was like one of the. So someone, fit, someone you know the Someone in the front I mean? row was like,
1: "See you later, tonight, Like, oh.
0: It was a mid nineties. Ooh. You know, from the crowd. Yeah. That, like, oh. Love it. Yeah um then let's see we cut over I think uh later that night it's her b- uh, birthday or something like that and uh his, birthday. uh his birthday and Sprite's there but she's like who's this actress and it's not and the guy tries to feel her hand and she's like no I'm just a kid I'm just a kid uh and has to walk away unfortunately which sucks and we're starting to think okay she's a vampire in a kid's body it sucks that's what we're okay, doing Kirsten yeah. does, did it a little bit better but not much I've seen better but not many. They they go away, and they go for a little bit of walk, and, of course, who should attack them on, on one of the London Rhines, the rivers? The Deviant. But it's not a Deviant. It's, we're going to call him Mega Deviant from now on because he's Mecha Deviant. He's he's there, and he's got all the powers, and he can heal himself. And she's like, we we got to go. Uh,
3: we get a little this moment here
0: beforehand this that this this,
3: Sorry, Sorry. This is moment number two for me after the title crawl where I was like, oh, no. Like, this is not that great. Because, like – this CG monster deviant thing, which I know that we just have like a inherent kind of dislike of going into it, where it's like even if it was done well, it, it's kind of just like we we think it's not going to be. We expect it to not be done well. So we see this thing and we're like, okay, I'm already not liking this. You need to prove to me that I should like it. And it coming up, finding them randomly in the, the London area that they were, it all just felt too coincidental to me where I was like – I feel like I need to, in my mind, be like, well, they're hunting them for some reason that I'm mm-hmm. sure they'll explain later or whatever. I don't like that, especially yeah. for a movie is that is just kind of Shakespearean and just kind of like. But, but that's my thing is, like, I, I get it and they explain it later. Yeah. But it just kind of felt not fun to watch, not engaging to watch. It's kind of like, all right, cool, they're going to explain this later in some way that right. isn't going to make me happy. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So I don't know. It's just, it's rough with this shit. Like, I don't have a solution, but it definitely was a moment that I was like, eh, I'm out of this, until they were running away and Jon Snow was kind of like, okay, fuck, I believe all the
5: weird shit y'all were saying. I'm like, all right, I'm back in. If you notice, uh, uh, I was going to mention, one day, I think near the end of Ragdu and near the end of this in-review, we rank all of the useless CGI monsters.
1: Because mm, I'll tell you, I'll that, tell you yeah. this right
5: now: Dvins will be number one on my list. I think they're the coolest of all the useless CGI monsters. Because I don't love them, but I think they're fine. <laughs> like I think no they're, fact. I think, they're, Is I think they're cool. Is Eddie
7: Stain included in that?
5: No, no useless CGI monsters. Like I'm talking like know, the no joke, the, the black joking. blob dudes from fucking Suicide Squad and that bullshit. You know.
0: Uh, of course uh, we got to see before
5: this where he's like, hey, I want to. Um, I want you to move in with me, and he, but he knows something's up,
0: right? He's like, weird shit happens around you. Are you, are you a wizard like Doctor Strange? So and uh, I was like, that's really fun. Anyway, this scene happens, and who should come in? Of course, uh, Icarus comes in to save the day, and we have a little moment for you, Game of Thrones fans out there. Where it's like, thank you. You obviously know we want to see the brothers back together because they didn't get to mm-hmm. be together a lot because Jon Snow got sent to the Wall and Rob Snow got sent to the Red Wedding, and we all know how that ended.
3: uh pilot. I love that line. Oh, that's like, great. He must be the pilot. You must now, be Nick, the pilot. Now, Nick, here's a, a test for you. Quick little MCU test. Okay. Gemma Chan. Yes. Is this her first appearance in the MCU? It's not. It is not. Who and was she
5: before? was in Guardians? No. Close. Kind she of is. a similar vibe. Give me a hint.
0: Give me one hint. Tell me the Faith. name. The final Minerva. <laughs> The Cree, Guardians Two? No. <laughs> she was I a Captain Marvel.
3: Captain, Captain Marvel. Oh, she was the, right, right, right. That's the, it was. the sniper with all the makeup. That's the right. Flag. And, flag. and Kevin Feige was just like, "Yo, you're dope as shit. I no, mean, so, anyway. you want to come I'm back?
7: That so cool.
3: That's cool. It was. But I'm uh, happy she's back because that's she's was she's,
0: she's dope. So now. It's time to get the team back together, ladies and gentlemen. we got to get the band back together and play one final gig. Where do we go first? North Dakota, where Ajak, played by the venerable Selma Hayek, is hiding out. Not really hiding out, just like hanging out like she's uh, retired out on her cool ranch. Of course, she's not doing much of anything these days because she is dead and green. Apparently, when Eternals die, they go green. I think she was pale white. Blue. I, I think it's kind of a, like goes white marble
7: which I really like. It,
5: it makes sense because they've been kind of just absorbing life for all this time mm-hmm. and, like, once there's nothing there, it's, like, you see how they really look. Like, when they're whenever somebody has, like, a curse, Nick, and they've looked young all their life and they die and they shrivel into an old, like, fucking gross thing finally because it's been eons of them kind of Looking young, this is that's what happened right here to Salma Hayek. And it was so sad because I wanted to see her pop off the whole movie.
0: Yeah, but she didn't really have to, I mean, her only power was to heal people, and that's not very exciting to watch. Uh, so RIP, AJAC. Uh, But at this point, the team without a leader, uh, now we got to have a leader, a little ball in her chest, chooses uh Cersei. And Cersei's like, I don't know what this means. And then she gets shot put it out to the cosmos to talk to Arisem, who is like, yo, I'm going to lay this out for you. You've been chosen as leader, and guess what? Uh Your job is not really to defend the Earth against the deviants. Your job was to grow humanity intelligent life on this planet, which is humans uh to a point where uh the the celestial baby that I impregnated the earth uh can feed off of, and then eventually when it's when it's ready it will it will launch and it will destroy everything uh and she's like, "Well, that's not cool. We gotta figure this one out uh so from there, we go over to where are
3: we at here. Uh, so plan- I do want to Aida say, Nick, sort of in, in terms of your Game of Thrones references and, like, cool, we have the, the guy doing the score so and all that. And calling her Cersei. But, but yeah, that's the thing. So Having Ron Stark and Jon Snow kind of love-triangling with Cersei. It's, is like it's so, so distracting. Cool. Yeah. I digress. Uh,
0: let's see. We also learned that the Deviants were actually the original sort of things they sent to – oh, we get a little bit of uh, – that's right, his, his – um, her lecture was about apex predators in the beginning, and that was kind of foreshadowing for what the deviants were for. Uh, they were there to make sure that humans can grow originally, but then the deviants deviated from that mission. Oh. And were like, we are too, we we don't want this anymore. We're not, we're being used. And so the Eternals were created. Uh, they're basically machines, uh, and they were created to uh, to kill the deviants and then uh, and usher, and basically take their place as the people ushering in human,
5: humans. I love that basically the deviants are like when somebody brings in a python from a different country into florida and then it starts reproducing it starts taking over too fast, and they're like fuck population control we need to kill these pythons like there's too many of yeah. them yeah and then they do what do they do bring in rabbits and then there's too many rabbits everywhere
0: and they're like, yeah like, bring in hawks and the hawks know what can't they anyway. do what